All right, so through the course of our lives, we have been peddled meat in so many different ways. I always try to stick a cool catchphrase on it. Beef, it's what's for dinner. You remember the one for yeah, pork that uh-huh. they, they used a lot when we were kids? The other white meat, right? Pork, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were always trying to put some kind of catchphrase on it. And I'll tell you what, I think my wife just discovered the next one because I was cooking up a piece of fish there last night a highly underrated fish called cod. Uh-huh, okay. And whenever I told my wife I was going to cook this thing up, she came up with the best catchphrase ever that's going to sell the shit out of some cod. She said, Mmm, cod. <laughs> that's it. That should that's going to sell. I mean, because mm, it, cod. it really nails exactly how you feel about cod. Yeah. Yeah. Mmm, cod. So simple. <laughs> it's always the simple ones that stick with you. <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to a brand new installment of Dead and Lovely, the cod Lovinest podcast (laughs) in this multiverse and beyond. Here with the host with the most, it's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steven. We're lucky The Rock doesn't have a podcast, because that dude eats so much cod. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He is on the cod train. Now I can see him on the commercials and stuff. He jacks that eyebrow up and mm, just gives the camera a hearty cod. Mm, cod. <laughs> you heard it here first on Dead and Lovely. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> You're also going to be hearing us give you a deep dive review on the movie Lake Mungo, which was a Patreon pick, right? Yeah. And uh, this movie. Oh boy, it's a doozy, and we're going to have a lot to say about it, and a lot of it is going to be spoilerific, and this is not a movie that you want spoiled. So no, if you're listening you to this to be like, oh, should I watch the movie? Yeah, you should fucking watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, this is like uh, a number of people had submitted this to the Smoking Bowl. Joe Marquez was the one I, I drew, uh, mm-hmm. but this has been recommended on the Facebook group and all over the place so many times, but I had never seen it went in completely blind and i would say if you have not seen it don't let us spoil it for you go go watch it oh yeah yeah because i'd also seen a lot of chat about this and over on like the facebook group and stuff like that and i gotta say i'm so grateful that nobody spoiled it for me right and i didn't know anything about it so do yourself a favor don't let us ruin the movie for you it's streaming at time of recording right now it's on prime but it's not just lake mungo it's after dark Lake Mungo, because it's part of some film collection or something, right? Well, yeah, it's part of the After Dark uh, the film festival. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just a separate release. I'm not going to say that it's a movie for everybody, but if you feel like watching a documentary slash found footage kind of flick that isn't really a traditional horror movie in a lot of ways, this is probably going to do good things for you, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it's going to hit. It's just, it's one of those that I'm, I'm glad I went into entirely blind uh, without any idea what it was that um, I was about to see. Sure, yeah, and I'm glad that I went into it that way, so be sure to check it out. If you've seen the flick and want to get right to the movie review, there's a timestamp for you down there in the podcast description you can use to go straight to it. But before we get to the review, we're going to catch up, shoot the shit. Talk about our week, slam a co-beer, yeah. do a little exploring around there in the preview palace, kind of dig around there, see mm-hmm. what we can find, and have ourselves a good time. So let's get right on to it. How you been doing this week, Steve? Man, I've been, uh, I've been tired. I've been just oh, yeah. tired. Woo, tired. It's about time to go to bed. It's, um, 
you know, we're a year plus into quarantine. I think that has something to do with it. There's also no. the uh, the springness happening, so getting all the mm-hmm, sinus yep. issues I normally get in the spring. Yep, because we got we got hills full of tree beards all over the place, being like, "Oh, skeet, 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 skeet," <laughs> just blasting us, dude. We're just fucking glazed by those trees twenty four seven. My car, oh my god, dude, just skeet yeah, factory everywhere. Ugh. Yeah. And also, we just had, uh, you know, daylight savings time, which, why are we still doing this? What is this insane (laughs) practice that makes no sense? Time travel, dude. It's fucking time travel. You get to do it twice a year. It's awesome. Uh, Isn't it? No, no, not really. Not not one moment of it is awesome. It doesn't do (laughs) anything for anybody. It is not a positive. It's just a dumb, dumb thing. And the problem with it is, too, is like, Okay, you know, I teach on, on Skype and stuff, right? Uh-huh. I teach guitar lessons on Skype. I got students all over the world. Yeah. And the entire world doesn't agree on when to do daylight savings time. Not even time. the so entire like, United States. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the fuck, man? So every time this happens, I always have a handful of, like, international students and stuff and students in various parts of the U.S. that, you know, miss their lessons and I miss money because yeah. the time's all fucked up. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a stupid thing. That we shouldn't yeah. do. And uh, it's real easy to fix. You know how we fix it? We just don't do it. Just don't do it. Cancel daylight savings time. Cancel it. I think we should all, like, I mean, there are a million things we need to protest, and God damn it, I wish we would just general strike, but it would be real nice if we could all just be like, okay, look. Who likes this? We're not going, <laughs> we're not going into work on daylight savings time hours we're going into work on our hour the regular hour when yeah when they're sitting at work waiting for you for an hour guess what fucking deal with it because we're not doing this <laughs> shit anymore <laughs> no fuck that man fuck daylight we're savings not time gonna take it. <laughs> daylight savings time we're not gonna that's take what, it that's what d snyder was going for right <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's what he was he talking about daylight savings time. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. It has totally fucked my schedule up, too. So, yeah, yeah I'm right there with you. Yeah, it does it every year, but whatever. Uh, but I have been um, I've been watching some more uh, media and, uh, you know, just uh, kicking it on that elliptical. Ooh. Um, it's been fun times. I'll tell you. Everybody loves the <laughs> elliptical. I'll tell you what, though, man. Like, you know, we got our elliptical machine here at home during, you know, the pandemic and stuff when we quit going to the gym. And I've gotten so used to just like putting on a flick yeah. and doing the elliptical and watching it's time awesome. just fly by. I rewatched Lake Mungo today while ellipting and it didn't even feel like, you know, 20 minutes had passed. That's something that I'm definitely going to miss whenever like we get our vaccines and stuff and we, we go, go back, back to, to the, the gym. gym and everything. Yeah, yeah it's going to be like, man, they're just watching fucking Sports Center again. This sucks. Yeah, or Fox <laughs> News. Ugh, ugh. Always on for some reason. Oh, speaking of vaccines, you got your first poke there the other day, didn't you? I did. I did get my first Woo! poke. Um, <laughs> so this is a positive. I think everyone should should th- see this as a positive. Okay. It was real hard to find an open appointment slot. But you did. You did find one. I did. I did. Uh, I had to drive uh, to Clinton, Tennessee. Um, and Clinton, Tennessee is not far from where I live in Halls. Which is mm-hmm. in Knox County, but it's not Knoxville. Uh, 
here's the thing about halls. It feels to me like um, a, a small city that just has access to big city stuff, which is yeah, it's yeah. kind of nice. I would much prefer to live in the big city. So I'm in Clinton and I hear two different conversations people have where they're talking about halls where I live like it's the big city. <laughs> I don't even get cell coverage here. Yeah. It is fucking country as shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so Wow, dude. But uh I yeah, I got my got my first poke. And uh, I'm excited to get that second one and uh, uh, just lick every nearby object. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> now, are you telling me that if, you know, during this podcast, if you just have random moments where you're like, this podcast is brought to you by Microsoft. I won't hear know, a negative word against Microsoft, of course. <gasps> um, oh, my God. The vaccine has changed you. I'm talking to you from a Windows phone. Um, <laughs> I'm on my Windows computer. Wow. With my Bill Gates haircut. Oh, my God, dude. You've transformed. Your DNA has been rewritten, Steve. I heard that this would happen. I think that instead of raising taxes on rich people, we should let rich people give more to charity. Right? Oh, my God. You're so different since you had the vaccine, Steve. I knew this was going to happen. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Here's the thing. It's a good thing for me to have a ton of money and decide where it goes. I'm real smart. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's why you have all the money. Okay. I get yeah. it. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got that shot. And uh, everybody, go get it as soon as possible. Like, seriously, if you're like, oh... I fit this medical criteria, but I, I'm going to wait for everybody else to get it before me. You're not helping. You're not helping anybody by waiting it out. Go as soon as you can. The more people vaccinated, the quicker, the better. So yeah, don't, yeah. don't feel like you're helping anybody. By That's what I worry about off. too, man, is like with a lot of these places that are like out in the country and stuff that aren't using up all the vaccine that they're being sent because there's people that are like, you know, waiting out, waiting in line, basically. Yeah. I, I wonder if they're going to get less supplies and like, hey, you sent us 500, but we only used 20. So just send us 20 again. Yeah. So, yeah, don't don't like you, don't can, wait. you can jump on uh, waiting lists as well. I just got a text today about a waiting list I was on. Uh, you don't have to fit any of the criteria, I don't think, at all. It's just a waiting list where they will contact you if somebody falls out of an appointment. Yeah, it's a no-waste wait list. A no-waste wait list, do. yeah. And it's like, basically, if they text you and you uh, can come immediately, you can come get it. So, like, don't don't hold off. Just get it. It's, it's, get that poke you're not yeah you're not helping anybody by not getting it because they're just doses that are going to waste so go get it now did you have some of those negative side effects after you got your poke um i had uh, soreness at the injection site that was it mm, right in that right in the penis huh yeah they do i don't know why they did that for me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they didn't do it for everybody else but they did make me stand up on a box in front of everyone Oh, okay. And they laughed and they, a lot. And then they got you just right in the main vein. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, <laughs> now you're all better, dick. <laughs> I don't think 
Maybe this wasn't a real vaccine site. I don't know. I don't know if you were dealing with the top brass here, Steve. I'm not really sure about this. Well, did you watch anything after you got your poke? Oh man, I've yeah, I've been watching stuff like crazy. I've uh, I watched Leprechaun on St. Patrick's Day because <laughs> we had just talked about it. Uh, we had yeah. just recorded the the uh, Psycho Gorman episode from last week, and um, boy, you're not missing anything. I mean, I've never seen it, but it's got Rachel Green in it, right? It does. Okay, it does have Rachel Green in it, but you, you, <laughs> boy, it it huh? It's good, is what you're saying. No, I I hadn't seen it since the '90s. Like I think I saw it a few times back then, but had not gone back to it. I watched it, and I was just like, "How did this get so many sequels?" <laughs> like, <laughs> it really is just like. Somebody was like, oh, I don't think they're going to be making Nightmare on Elm Street sequels anymore. Uh, what if we just made Freddy, but a different character? Also, what if it was a leprechaun who sometimes uses magic and sometimes just chases people, despite the fact that he's like four feet tall? It, It's not good strategy. I don't know if you realize it or not, man, but you're selling me on this movie. That was an elevator pitch that I'm fucking <laughs> on board for. <laughs> All right. Okay. I mean, the, the scenes where he's chasing people are like, it, it really is just like, he can do magic. Why is this happening? I know that like they explain that his magic is like weak or whatever, but it's like, I don't know. They sort they sort of forget that every once in a while, just because they're like, well, right here, we want a cool scene. And then suddenly when his magic is back, it's like, okay, he's not going to chase anybody. Oh, oh, no, he's chasing somebody. Huh. What? This is kind of like conjuring the image of uh, that meme that went around with like the Game of Thrones writer where he was like, we sort of forgot that Leprechaun can do magic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I watched the Leprechaun. Watched a little movie on the, the screaming chat called Doom Asylum. The dead and lovely screaming chat that right. happens every Friday? Every single Friday night on Discord, <gasps> 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're uh, 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 streaming a movie from the YouTubes and mm -hmm. chatting about it on Discord. It's a fun old time. We watched Doom Asylum, which is one I had never seen, but I saw I recommended on Twitter by someone... Okay. It's it's sort of like it's a horror comedy. I I think it's funny. <laughs> Maybe it's yeah. funny. For sure. Whether that was on purpose or not yeah. is up for debate. Uh, I yeah no I think it's a horror comedy and uh, a pretty okay one. I mean you know some some eighties jokes for sure. But uh, I I was surprised I had not seen it. It it definitely has the vibe of so many. 80s horror movies that I like so check out Doom Asylum if you if you like a bunch of 80s schlock like it, I if do. it's in there yeah <laughs> if it's in there for sure okay uh I also watched a movie called Slacks on Shudder Slacks oh I saw like the little um like preview thing for this on Shudder the other night I read the description and I was like this sounds ridiculous how was it 
It's fun. Um, I I mean, fun. Uh, it, there's some uh, heavy darkness to it for sure, but also really, yeah. Also, it's a it's a horror comedy, but it's got some some like heavy dark uh, elements uh, because of the subject matter. Which is it, isn't it about haunted pants? <laughs> it is about haunted pants, but it's basically like it, it's about the fashion industry and where our clothes come from and stuff like oh. that. Oh, yeah. Okay, that kind of puts a different spin on it because I, I read the little description. It was like, yeah, haunted pants, and I was like, this sounds stupid. I'm on. Yeah, board. no, it's got that going for sure. Like all of that is there, and 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 then some. Like. Uh, the pants eat people <laughs> that's insane it's awesome i enjoyed it i had a lot of t- uh, fun with it and it also does have like a you know a solid sort of message about where our clothes come from and things like that so i recommend slacks nice yeah nice 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 okay and i mean there's a there's a dance scene like a bollywood dance scene of the pants dancing i'm on board with this yeah yeah, so I, I, I don't know if I needed to sell it anymore, but that's there. So check that out. I also checked out the the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, which I won't talk much about, but uh, looks like it's the type of thing I wanted it to be, like a sort of espionage thriller type of thing. So that's going to be fun. Okay, so here's the deal. Like I saw the other day, I think it was advertised on Facebook or something, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I'm sitting here like, is did they change something in the Matrix? Is this a Mandela effect thing? I didn't know this was happening. I had no oh, idea they were doing a show about them. I totally oh, no. missed okay. this. Yeah, there are. Oh, there are a bunch of shows announced that you might. Yeah, you know Loki's coming out, right? No. Like a show about Loki. Okay. Well, <laughs> where have I been? <laughs> where have you been? All right. They I also have shows announced. Uh, one for She-Hulk. Um, they, okay, they, I didn't know about that one. Yeah, there, there's some some cool stuff coming from Marvel if you're into the Marvel stuff. If you're not, maybe you're into the DC stuff, Ben. Oh, oh yeah, maybe I am, and I have you know all day to kill watching a movie. Oh yeah, I did that. You know what? You maybe did? that's why I I missed all the news about these shows and stuff. It's yeah. because I was watching the Justice League Snyder cut, and it took up a year of my life. Yeah, dude. Let me just tell you my experience, because your experience is going to be much more uh, about the movie, because mm-hmm. I only got 12 minutes in, uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna finish it, but it, it feels like it's going to take me a month. Um, why does this exist? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Why does it exist that a guy got to make a movie, got it, you know, shit on by basically everybody... And then was able to take a couple years and be like, uh, uh, this is what I really wanted to make with all those considerations that you gave me in mind. So I reshot a bunch of stuff and changed a bunch of stuff. This probably wasn't the movie that he really wrote, but I get to do it over. So there. Yeah. Okay. So think about this. <laughs> just think about this. Let's just say that Return of the King came out and sucked. Yeah. And then Peter Jackson, <laughs> several years later, was like, no, 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 you didn't get my vision, and then released the extended edition. Now, here's the thing. This, this is why I use this. Because there are a ton of people who hate Return of the King. Because they say it's too long. Morons. They say it's boring, and there are too many endings. Making it longer doesn't fix that. No. 
So making <laughs> Justice not. League longer didn't fix most of the problems with Justice League that everybody already had. Mm-hmm. It does, I from what I've heard of other people's reviews, and maybe you can uh, say this for sure, it, it does uh, allow for more character development, but who the fuck couldn't develop characters more with two extra hours? <laughs> yeah, shocker, right? You would have to be the worst film uh, director of all time to have <laughs> a four-hour window of opportunity and not be able to develop the characters more. Like, yeah. this, this was an unasked-for thing that is insists on itself. It's like, I should exist. And then it's also in 4-3. Yeah, the aspect is weird. Like, why? What the fuck? This is the biggest troll in the history of trolls. A $70 million (laughs) troll. Stay tuned next week for a much more nuanced, much better take on the Snyder Cut from me, Hollywood Steve. Dude, for real, man. And I'll tell you this. I never watched the original cut. I never saw it. Uh Uh-uh. I don't remember it at all. I watched the whole thing. Well, Kate watched it one time, I think while I was on tour okay, or something. And I just remember getting texts from her being like, man, yeah, this movie sucks. Don't even waste your time watching it. And uh, so I was going into it completely, you know, completely clean slate because I'd never seen the original. I just sat down to watch this four hour long movie, which I'll say this. Okay. Because of the way that it's divided up. You could watch it in installments. It's like chapters, you know? Right. And so it's like, yeah, you could sit down and watch this 40-minute chapter tonight and then watch the next 40-minute chapter tomorrow. And we debated about doing that because it just took all fucking day to watch this movie. Yeah. We debated about being like, maybe we just stop it and come back later. But then Kate was like, if we stop this movie, we will never pick it back up. And I was like, that's absolutely true. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's no way. That's pretty much how I feel I'll probably end up because after when they started singing in Icelandic to Aquaman yeah. as he dove into the ocean, I was like, I don't know if this was in the original, but if it was in the original, I guarantee I paused right here and was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it has, I think, the most heavy handed soundtrack I've ever heard in a oh, movie uh, like if, if you thought the suicide squad was on what? the nose yeah really right he's known for subtlety especially with soundtracks like dude i thought that suicide squad was the most on the nose fucking soundtrack ever this yeah blows it out of the water like the the soundtrack might as well be people singing aquaman is going to the ocean and he's sad hey wonder woman <laughs> what you doing over here it's just like God damn, it is so fucking heavy-handed. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> oh my god, dude. And it takes so long to watch, man. Four hours, and I'll tell you this too, man. The movie easily could have been, I'm gonna say, 45 minutes shorter if every other fucking scene wasn't in fucking slow motion. The whole movie <sighs> is in slow that. motion, dude. And the thing about it is, is like... I get it. It's a superhero movie. It needs to be stylized. And especially, you know, with scenes where, like, the Flash is doing Flash stuff. Yeah, of course the world needs to be in slow motion to show you how quick he's moving and stuff. But it makes so much less impact when you just watch the scene of fucking Wonder Woman eating a hamburger in slow motion. Like, why did that need to be slow? (laughs) 
<laughs> God damn, dude. I'm serious. They could have cut 30 to 40 minutes off of the fucking thing if they wouldn't have done everything in slow-mo. It was like almost like a parody of itself, man. Um, The one thing that I... Okay, so this came out and, you know, people were talking about it and most people were like, I can't believe I'm watching this long-ass fucking movie. But um, the one thing that actually came of all this this weekend that really shined a light for me for DC in the future is that they announced uh, a Zatanna movie directed by the director of Promising Young Woman. So... Oh, okay. uh, Zatanna is much more interesting. As we've said in the past, they probably should move past these old fogey characters that aren't. Mm -hmm. Zatanna is going to be, you know, delving into the dark areas of of, um, DC Universe and the magic and stuff like that. So that's gonna widen the universe and hopefully make it more interesting and i and i hope it's also less i mean it, it, i say dark i zatanna is still like a, a fun character like i hope it's still fun yeah yeah dc has a way of making a lot of their properties just completely just not fun. joyless yeah, yeah. <laughs> entirely joyless yeah that that is the one thing that i loved about justice league was ezra miller ezra miller really brings something Yes, I agree with that, man. Yeah, and and I would love to see a Flash movie. That would be great. It's also, too, you know, considering how recently we just did We Need to Talk About Kevin. Yeah. It's such a testament to how awesome of an actor he is that I saw him through this whole four-hour movie, and I was never creeped out by him once. Like, there's a lot of those actors. Like, I remember even after we saw, like, Elijah Wood in Sin City uh, as, what what was his name, Kevin in that? It might have been, oh, but you know, was, the creepy yeah. cannibal kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it like tainted other things I saw him in where I was like, oh my God, I can't shake, you know, that creepy role that he did. Right. Ezra Miller is such a powerhouse actor that like, it really shows you how good of a job he does with any role he's given. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he's been great in everything I've seen him in. He's, he's awesome. And he really does just like, uh, inhabit the role. So yeah, it, it, it's good that. Uh, being Kevin didn't infect his performance as the Flash because that would have been weird. I will say weird. though, man, like one positive about this movie, and I know a lot of people don't share this opinion, but I was happy to see more Ben Affleck, Batman, Bruce Wayne. I think that he does a great job. I think that he is honestly a good Batman, a good Bruce Wayne, and I love the costume design. So I was happy just to have more of him as Batman because I don't think we're getting any more, right? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a. I but think that's, that's the over. thing, dude. Okay, so you know, watching this movie and get to see all the cool Batman stuff that was in there, it was like, okay, great, I enjoy this part of it at least. But then you've also got the fact that DC is doing the next Batman movie with um fucking what's his name robert pattinson that is unrelated to this universe at all it's like a side pocket universe yeah and they're also going to make another batman movie that is a part of this universe yeah everybody's gonna be gonna be fucking confused and it's not gonna make any sense you remember whenever joker came out and they're like how does this tie into batman begins and it's like right it's it's not related to that they're gonna have that same problem 10 times over because they're doing it with their biggest fucking property yeah i i think they should 
probably stop trying to duplicate the MCU and just yeah. make their movies. How about that? Yeah. I mean, you can tie them together if you want or not. Like, it's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. I, I'd rather see something new and interesting than, you know, just trying to duplicate the success of the Avengers. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, just, I mean, and again, Suicide Squad was, I hoped, going to be that whenever it came out, and then it, it wasn't. But uh, that Harley Quinn movie does a pretty good job of, of being completely mm-hmm. different than the rest of the DC movies. Uh, it wasn't my favorite, but it was good. I enjoyed it. I hope that you sit down and watch the whole flick sometimes so you can give me your full thoughts on it yeah. and stuff. It's it's tough. And honestly, like there were several points while we were watching it that I was like, I don't feel like I'm watching a Justice League movie. I feel like we're marathoning DCU movies all day. Does yeah. that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Because it's it is it's three movies, right? Like it's cut into three parts, and that is oh no, it's cut into like fucking like seven chapters. It's oh, like a seriously? bunch of chapters Holy and an shit. epilogue that is like seriously twice as long as the ending of Return of the King. Absolutely, Ugh. there's a whole like fifteen minutes in an alternate universe during the epilogue, dude. Well, that's good. That's what you need. That's what, <laughs> that's you, what need. you need. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> So, uh, did you watch anything else other than the Snyder Cut, or was that <laughs> taking up your whole week? Well, it did take up a significant portion of my week to watch that movie, but yeah, I did have some time to watch some other things in there as well. Um, if you guys listened to last week's uh, Psycho Gorman episode, you'll know from the intro there that our good buddy Brandon Suttles passed away a few days ago as the time of recording this, and um, the week before he passed away from cancer is when the hospital he was staying in lifted up their visitation um, right. protocol. Because previously, up until a week or so ago, it was only his wife could go and see him. But they opened it up to where he could have one visitor at a time. So uh, myself and Kate separately both went down there as many times as we could to hang out with Brandon and spend time with him, which yeah. I'm so fucking thankful that I did, man. Um, because the last night that I got to spend uh, with Brandon, my dear buddy, while he was still with us, was doing something that we had done hundreds of times over the the long time period that we've known each other, yeah. which was watching a movie. He had a bunch of movies and stuff on his iPad. I pulled up a chair next to the hospital bed, and we watched his uh, his newest obsession, the movie that had maybe even overtaken Magnolia as t- as his favorite flick of all time. Okay. In his words, uh, we watched Black Narcissus, which is a nineteen I think nineteen forty seven movie. Uh huh. That About Brandon just got. It's about some nuns, and they going crazy. It's nuns gone wild atop <laughs> this mountain. Yeah, I haven't Dude, seen it. Dude, have you I, seen I, it? I, I, no, I, I have read about it. I have not seen it. You should fucking watch it, man. It had a lot of elements in there that reminded me of The Devils. Okay. You know, where Ken it's Russell's like, man, this devils, feels... right. Yeah, yeah, where you're watching it, and you're like, man, especially for the time period, for like 1947, this seems pretty risque and like sacrilegious at times uh and dude it's gorgeous holy shit it is a gorgeous ass movie and the use of matte paintings and stuff in the flick you won't you won't believe it's some of the most ambitious and convincing matte painting work ever because apparently basically the whole thing was like shot uh in studio but you'll swear it was just filmed in the fucking himalayas or something okay really really cool i enjoyed it very much man and you know i'll I'll always enjoy that memory of getting to watch one more flick with Brandon, so that made it even more important for me. 
Later on in the week, we watched a couple other things. We watched Sister Act 2, oh, Back in the Habit. Back in the Habit. Now, this is where <laughs> she's uh, she's successfully taught these nuns how to not be boring as hell when they sing. And yes. she has escaped the, the, the criminal element. And now uh, she coaches an NBA basketball team? Or is that a different... <laughs> what is that? She coaches a singing group. She helps them sing their way is to that, oh, the Oh, does top. she partner up with a dinosaur in this one? I think yes, I've seen it's it. the one where she partners up, okay. partners up with a dinosaur. It's that one right there. <laughs> That's right. I, I do not remember Sister Act 2 at all. At all. Man, it's probably probably better than you're remembering it. It I was bet. a good old fun time. I just haven't seen it. Um so what happened i I really do not remember the story yeah no she she helps a, a singing group uh that's like a like a high school choir kind of thing okay lead them to the top of their championship so it's kind of like a high school musical singing movie in a lot of ways okay i okay i can kind of vaguely remember it now yeah, yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it do I need to rewatch it is it awesome oh yeah you do and okay. it's also just like early 90s as fuck man so it's got that going for it as well i would recommend it it was a fun time we enjoyed it awesome we were uh in the kitchen all day the other day making a huge pot of jambalaya which turned out delicious and we needed something nice to have on the tv full of attractive people while we had the windows open and the stove firing up and drinking cold beers yeah. so we put on the mummy which I maintain is a good time, man. It's like if Pirates of the Caribbean mixed with Indiana Jones, you'd kind of end up with The Mummy, and I'm very okay with that. I mean, you really went out on a limb saying you like The Mummy. There are people out there who base their entire sexuality on The Mummy. Come on. I did see this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get it, too, <laughs> man. Like, everybody in the in the movie is just a Bunch stone of cold people, smoke show. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I think... Uh, I, I've seen The Mummy within the past few years and still enjoyed it. It's still a fun time. Oh, yeah. It's, um, that, that CGI is the best, right? It's like your favorite? <laughs> it's the best ever, yeah. It won <laughs> awards for the best CGI ever, so you can't yeah. argue with that. Yeah. The accolades are there. Yeah. Um, it looks, it looks pretty bad at times. It's, it's really still, bad at times. like, yeah, it's just a fun romp. It's got all the things you like. It's got Egypt. It's got like uh, live uh, the sarcophagus embalmingness that <laughs> never happened in Egypt. Um, <laughs> so that's what you know. It's got bugs, lots of bugs, all the things, man. Yeah. What else do you need in life? Oh, thing? and also, yeah, really, yeah, a bunch of pretty people. That Rachel Ice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's great, man. Yeah. And uh, we also watched through the South Park Bigger Longer Uncut, because especially after the events of the week, we were just like, let's just go with something that we know that is fun and Going funny and a guaranteed 90s. good time. Yeah. Dude, I'm <laughs> telling you, man, B Bigger Longer Uncut still holds up. That movie is fucking hilarious. I've seen it a million times, and I'm still like dying laughing at certain parts and then also like you remember the words to every song yeah the music is fantastic in it mm -hmm. so good man just a good time yeah i haven't seen it in in quite a while but it's uh yeah i do remember the music all the time like i i oh yeah i have it uh on on a disc in my car for a cd player a CD oh player, my. Ben. A CD. Yeah. You ever heard of it? 
<laughs> yeah, I've heard of these. Is that a is that a compact disc? Yeah, the disc is compact, and on it there are songs. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I'm so glad that the CD won out over the NCD, the non-compact disc. Those things were like ten feet across. They were not compact <laughs> at all. It's like how is how are people ever going to use these things on a daily basis? It needs to be compact. Have you ever seen? There were like attempts at putting record players into cars back in the day <laughs> yeah i've seen that That's i bet it was insane great. yeah i bet it was <laughs> awesome driving around in like a 1950s just boat everything you hit <laughs> makes the car just shake like crazy <laughs> well the thing about that is that entire concept the thing that really stands out to me is that that was the result of like some auto manufacturer guy driving around with his family in his car and being just that desperate to not listen to these fucking kids <laughs> screaming in the backseat while I'm trying to drive the car. Everything developed in the 40s and 50s was because some man was just tired of... <laughs> just tired. Just leave it at that. He was just like, oh, it's so hard being a white man. Ah. <laughs> I'm so desperate. I'll stick a record player in here. <laughs> <laughs> It's gotta be bad, man. Yeah, I cannot imagine living in that time in any, like in any way. Like, what what form of life would you want to be in the good old days? Like, <laughs> wouldn't it just be terrible every single day? It seems like it would suck. It might. It very well might, man. <laughs> but you know what? I hope doesn't suck. Slamming a code beer in my face. Code it's beer code. 18 p.m. as we record this right now. You know how long it's been since I drank a co-beer? Too long, I Too say. long, and I, uh, I'm excited for this one. What do we got, Steve? It's a tiki bird from Bearded Iris. and uh, Wait, it's a beaky turd? A beaky turd <laughs> from Bearded Iris. Um and RDM gave these to us, right? That's right. The notorious RDM himself. He made a uh, just a, a quick trip down to Knoxville uh, a week or so ago, and he dropped off some code beers for me in the parking lot, and I got them to you, and we're going to drink on this thing today. Now, there is a word of caution here. I'm pouring it into the glass right now, and it looks okay, because Roger's been hanging on to these and setting them back for a while, for um, over a year at this point. And it does have lactose in this particular beer. So if we take a sip and it's like weird sour, that's the thing. How do you know when like a sour has gone sour? <laughs> yeah. Like the sour know. tastes sour. Uh, well, <laughs> Sourer. I think I think you, you would know. It looks fine. Yeah, because a la lactose when it goes sour tastes more bile-y. So Ugh. if it tastes like bile, bad. If it doesn't taste like bile, <laughs> good. This is an imperial fruited sour with pomegranate, peach, mango, and lactose from Bearded Iris. It has 8% alcohol in there. Pretty strong for a sour, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited for this because I love me a sour and uh, I love 8% alcohol. So let's see how this goes. <laughs> to RDM, our beer man on the inside. Hopefully Ooh. this is really good. Let's find out about it. What's that duty? Is it good? Um, Yeah. It just tastes like juice, baby. Ooh, like. man. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this has definitely not gone no, it tastes rancid good. or sour. It tastes very good. 
Yeah, and it's not it's not crazy sour, honestly. No. Like, it's like sour how biting into re- uh, ripe, fresh fruit is sometimes sour. Yeah. Like, oh, it's supposed to be that way. Yeah, I mean, pomegranate, peach, and, and mango, they all can have a, a little bit of si- a sour bite to it. And th- this is, yeah, you're right. It's Ooh, not... That's good. It's not very much sour. It's mostly just tastes like delicious juice yeah it's like nectar it's like a little bit of that that peach nectar kind of oh, backbone yeah. that balances out the sourness that you get from the pomegranate and the, the mango mm-hmm. also the lactose isn't super up front i was wondering if this is going to be like milkshakey creamy you know which there are some sours that have that that are good yeah i mean i would get i would say it's got maybe the consistency of a sunny d but not like yeah not cre- not creamy tasting just kind of little, little bit thicker. What is it about the sour beer world that can mask high amounts of alcohol? Like no matter what the content <laughs> is, I had a, um, I think it was a, oh crap, I can't remember which company made it, but there's that one that I had at Merchants of Beer last year that was like a 14 percent like pineapple coconut sour, Ooh. and you literally could not taste any alcohol in it at all i guess there's just something in i mean our sour taste bud receptors that overwhelms the the booze taste i guess i think one might say that essentially you're drinking a fermented canned version of a super sweet cocktail <laughs> you know in a way yeah and this has a good like tiki cocktail kind of taste to it too yeah that's sort of it's like you're getting all that with less sugar you're still getting tons of carbs i mean you're not skipping the carbs but less sugar at the very least i imagine you could have a few of these and not wake up the next day feeling like dog shit mm-hmm. those sugary Man, drinks good. will definitely lay you out yeah Ugh. yeah no this is really good I, i'm i'm a fan of this way to go bearded iris always just nailing it oh yeah tennessee represent find some at your local grocer today <laughs> <laughs> Now, you know, Steve, this movie that we're talking about today yeah. is Lake Mungo. Lake Mungo. And this is somewhat of a story. You were really scared of that ghost. I was really scared. I mean, honestly, yes. I was extremely scared of that fucking ghost. Oh, my God. I can't wait to talk about this thing. But, you know, it really got me thinking. Whenever we pass into the great beyond, into the great unknown, yeah. after we perish, what kind of ghost are we going to become anyway? Yeah, I need to know about this. There's got to be somebody we can consult. We could probably, you know, we haven't done this in a while, but we could probably consult those uh, witches and wizards over at BuzzFeed. Ooh, do you want to consult their powerful magics? Are you sure that's a good idea? I mean, listen, I've already got the, the bird guts scattered out here, and they say... Go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, we might as well as we enter into the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. And we're going to find out if you died and became a ghost, what kind of ghost would you be? This is a quiz by BuzzFeed wizard in Mexico, Louis de Valais. He's French. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I yeah. decided that spontaneously, but yes, awesome. he's French. <laughs> I, I did not expect it to go that way, so yeah. Let me ask you, in advance, what kind of ghost do you think you're going to be? If you had your druthers, what kind of ghost would you be? What kind of ghost would I be? I would uh, I'd be the, the ghost that tells you my story like super uh, uh, warmly and whatnot. Like, you come in and you're like, oh, 
who are you? And I'm like, just sit down and let me tell you my tale. But then by the end of the tale, that you become a, a, a ghostly white as you see my head fall from my uh, spectral body or whatever. <laughs> you know? So you spook him at the end. You start off all like the ghost of Chris's past. Come in and know me better. And then you're like, ah, my head's off, JK. Uh-huh, exactly. And then they're like, oh, shit. What about you? What do you think you're going to be? I want to be Slimer Ghost. I just want to, like, zip around, make messes, and eat all the that food. Would be I want to awesome. eat the food, just right? Just shoving hot dogs in your mouth. Boy, that sounds great. <laughs> I know. I think that sounds great. And, you know, I was wondering about this, too. Uh, again, our, our good buddy Brandon just passed away. Brandon, if you're listening right now, if your presence is here and you become a ghost, and I wake up in the middle of the night and I see a, a shadowy figure in the doorway. Brandon, I just want you to bust out a little bone, 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 bone. <laughs> See you at the crossroads, and I'll be like, Brandon. Uh, I, I want to I be haunted by rapping Brandon Ghost. That would be I, great. I think he would like that. I know that I would like that. He's just doing what he, what he liked to do on Earth for all eternity. <laughs> you know, I wonder, you know those hot dog eating competitions? Yeah. Does anybody in, in the hot dog eating world go buy Slimer? Like, that seems like... Boy, they should, yeah. That's like the most intimidating name in the hot dog eating world. That dude can slam them down. Put them away, huh? Yeah. Oh, my God. Those those contests grossed me out. Just by the way, man. God, the marathon pooping that has to happen after those. Oh. It is gross. Just dipping the bread in water. Ugh. Dude, and the thing is, they're pounding those hot dogs, which are like full of nitrites and nitrates and stuff just like class one carcinogens and stuff that has to be very fucking bad for you i can't imagine it's good for you no no <sighs> it's not, ghastly not not a not a field i'd like to participate in <laughs> all right let's find out here steve so let's click let's click let's pick a classic <laughs> Horror film from the list here. Ooh, some of my favorites on here. What do you see there, Ben? We've got The Shining, The Exorcist, Curry, The Evil Dead, Suspiria, and Rosemary's Baby. Those are six of the most classic, and we have done all of those on our podcast. Yes, we have. Yeah, they're they're all very solid and great. Uh, which one would you pick? I'm gonna have to pick The Shining. I mean, I I want I kind of want to like pick Suspiria just to be the wild card, but. If I'm being honest with myself, The Shining, that's my number one ever, so I yeah. can't deny it. What about you? And I'm going to go with The Evil Dead. Yeah. Classic. One of my absolute faves from childhood. Can't beat that one. All right, Steve, how would you describe yourself? A people person, mm. a family guy, a drama queen, a pain in the neck, someone who lives on the edge, right. or... A boner. Wait, a loner. A loner Ooh, boner. Boner, I was going to say. That's me. Um, <laughs> boy, how would I describe myself? Uh, mm-hmm. I, a, I, a, kind of a drama queen. I'll say a drama queen. Sticking in that DQ, huh? Yeah, I'm a drama queen, I guess. All right. All right. I, I have <laughs> my moments as well. Here, I was like, I have a people person. It's in quotes, which makes me think it's ironic. And it's like, eh, I'll, I'll go with the drama queen. That works, man. That works. You know how I love the drama. I'm like, oh boy, the, um, the thing, <laughs> the stuff. Yeah, have you guys heard? Yeah, you're proving your passion right now. Yeah, it's the, very uh, eloquent. Spill, spill the tea. I'll say. 
<laughs> the smiling mask and the frowning mask. I love those. <laughs> uh, drama. Right? <laughs> You're always talking about those. Luda Hagen. Am I right, guys? Huh? Stanislavski. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. Et cetera. <laughs> you definitely emphasize your passion for something when you just say et cetera at yeah, the end that, of the sentence. People know, sure. like, oh, he's uh huh, he's got he more to drama. say. He just doesn't yeah. want to bore us with the thing he loves so much. Wow, hence the et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what about you, Ben? How would you describe uh, yourself? You know what? I I have moments of all of these. I definitely have my drama queen moment, but I'm gonna say generally, I'm kind of a pain in the neck. If I'm gonna be honest, okay. Steve, I'm just. I just don't know how good I am at personing sometimes. So oh, I'm I the think worst sometimes at it. I'm just a pain in the neck. I am 100% terrible at personing. Uh, <laughs> pick a new... or uh, It says pick a new, relatively new horror movie. <laughs> All right. Lost in that French translation that yeah. Louis did here. <laughs> pick uh, a new, relatively new horror movie as Nouveau. <laughs> nouveau horror. I am in Mexico. He's so French, this guy. Um, we got hereditary. This Mexican climate is ruining my wine, he says. <laughs> what? I don't know. That's how French he is. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we got Hereditary, Woo. The Babadook, Woo. It Follows, Woo. The Conjuring, Boo. Suspiria, The Woo. Remake, and the Vavitch. Oh my God! Also, some of our favorites. So we've done all of yeah. these on the show as well. Uh huh. So which one would you pick, Ben? Man, Hereditary is the life ruiner. That's that's like up yeah. there with The Shining for me. Hereditary really just rocked my fucking socks. Although, I mean, God, I love the witch and stuff. But I'm gonna go with Hereditary. Yeah, for me, yeah, this, this there's there's all of these are all well, the Conjuring. I would not choose. Uh, no. The other the others I would could pick either of them, but the witch is, is one of my absolute favorites. So man, it's so good. Good choice, man. Good choice. I've been re- really wanting to watch that St. Maud. A lot of people are telling oh, me yeah. it has yeah. witch looks, vibes to it. Looks interesting. I got to get on that. <laughs> now the next question here, Steve did not make the translation cut. <laughs> que es lo que mas dis- disfrutarias? De ser un fantasma. I think it's saying, what What would you do if you were a ghost? What would you enjoy mo- most about being a ghost? I have it in English. <laughs> I'll read it for you. <laughs> you have it in English, really? Yeah. God damn. Well, hey, I'm at least pleased that I was right, because mine is in Spanish, and yeah. I'm like, I think that's what it means, and that's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly enough, though, my options are in English. <laughs> okay, so you do have the options. Okay, go ahead and read them. Then. Makes no sense, man. Okay, <laughs> our options here in our life as a phantasma: uh, being invisible, uh-huh. observing people's lives, being right. nosy. I like that. Mm-hmm. Knowing that there's life after death, my heart will go on. Okay, haunting my enemies—that's pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. Stirring up drama—that might be for you, DQ. Yeah, don't want no drama, drama, <laughs> or. All the eaves dropping. Dropping them eaves. You gonna drop an eave on them? Well, I mean, knowing that there's life after death, um, it seems like it's like a cool knowledge to have, unless just being a ghost is just like, you're just a ghost every day. So it's like, well, then the knowledge is shitty, right? (laughs) I think so, yeah. Oh, wait, so this is it? Fuck. Uh, Yeah, so nobody (laughs) wants that. 
I think uh, just being invisible, like being able to go anywhere would be great, though I assume ghost rules are you're stuck for whatever reason on property lines. Don't know how ghosts know where the property lines in, but you're stuck on this property. That's a good point. How do they know where the property line is? And also, if they have the land resurveyed and they change the property lines, does the ghost... You know, boundaries change too. I and I also imagine like, you know, houses used to be built to last longer. <laughs> like yeah. the idea was that the house was meant to be around for a long time. Houses aren't meant to last as long now. So like, if that house is the one you're haunting, it could get bulldozed and another house is built. Like, what happens then? I'm I am hmm. not sure of ghost rules, but I just I know I'm picking being invisible because it's the least complicated to me. <laughs> well, the thing about it is too is like, according to all our typical ghost rules, shouldn't hospitals be like haunted as fuck? Yes, they'd be the most haunted. That's where most people die. Yeah. Yeah. What gives? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what would hmm. you pick? Man, there's some options here because if you were invisible, I don't know. If you're going to be invisible, are you going to like watch people poop and stuff? Well, that's the thing is I was thinking being invisible would be cool because I could just um, not make my presence felt at all oh, if I wanted yeah. to not. Because like, just imagine the people that live at your house, like most people are pretty boring, right? <laughs> like, yeah. so you could just not interact with them. That'd be cool. And then maybe a cool person moves in and you're like, oh, cool, I'll knock this face over or something. <laughs> Do something fun for him, huh? <laughs> Spice up life. Let me ask you this, too. Do you think that, that a lot of, like, goats are just bored and frustrated as shit during COVID because the people are just staying in the house all the time? Do you yeah, think they're, like, getting sick like, of them? I normally get to walk around and do whatever I want while you're gone. Yeah, but you're always fucking here, and you're always ordering the pizza. It's pizza again? You're going to become a ghost soon. Quarantine has been hard on ghosts, and y'all don't think about that. Y'all don't want to have that conversation. That's the problem, you see. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, that's the real silent majority, ghosts. <laughs> it is. They would. They are absolutely the majority. Oh, there's way more of them than us, dude. Yeah. Fuck, man, if ghosts ever organize, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm going to go with all the eavesdropping, Steve, because... You'll be dropping some eaves. Oh, okay. man, that's one of my favorite parts of living in the city, dude. There was, there was a couple out on the street corner last night having a big old couples argument. Oh. And they were, dude, they were going after it. it just like, from an outside perspective, it's like, what are you arguing about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, and it was so fun just to like open the window up a little bit and just sit by it and listen in. It was just fun. Yeah, all the eavesdropping, that's exactly what I would do. Okay. All right, Steve, I need you to pick a place to haint after you die. Where if you're going to be a, a booger for all eternity, you got to be <laughs> boogin somewhere, summers or another, right? It's true. You do. Because the booger's going to boog, 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 boog. <laughs> haint it off. Haint it haint off. It off. <laughs> T Swift, you owe us for that one. Yeah, yeah, because you know she's gonna use it this this Halloween now. She's gonna be like, I just came up with this on my own. No, you. That's didn't. right. And then the next record is gonna be about breaking up with Dead and Lovely. <laughs> yeah, we 
Yeah. <laughs> we, we suck as boyfriends. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's going to be called I I Cast Them Away. <laughs> <laughs> People be like, oh, it's, it's cast because it was a podcast. Get it? Out. Get it? Oh. <laughs> All right, Steve, are you going to booger it up at a cemetery? Hey, a hospital. They actually gave us an option for a hospital. Oh, okay. A mansion. Right. An amusement park. Mm. A winding road. Oh, so every day. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because every day is According a to one Sheryl Crow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or are you going to haint an abandoned factory? Mm. Don't see the lure there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's obviously either a mansion or an amusement park if uh, if you want to have uh, any sort of influence on the world of living, right? Because that's where people are going to be. True. But, uh, boy, a winding road sounds like it'd be fun, right? Just walk out every once in a while. Like, hey, they're like, oh, fuck. Ah! <laughs> yeah, real fun. Be careful going down that road. Gold on that road. Hey, one would prefer perhaps to take another road. Is that the line? That's the one. Yep. <laughs> what about you, Ben? I'm gonna go with that amusement park. I think that sounds fun because yeah. The thing is, is like if I was hating that mansion, I'd be around the same people all the time. Maybe some new people move in that I can't stand. Being and they're around. rich. You oh, know they're my boring. God, the worst. Yeah, they're gonna be really boring and. Unless they're the uh, type yeah. of rich people that have, like, wild uh, parties and orgies and stuff. Yeah, and they like, hunt people and stuff like that. Well. It could be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I could see I, <laughs> I could see how being a, a ghost in a mansion where they're having orgies, like, you could probably get involved, right? Like, mm. like ghost orgy mm. is what I'm saying. Mm, that like, could happen. I mean, we know Anna Nicole fell for a ghost, so... That's true. Mm-hmm. And she was rich, so... Do you want some money? Mm-hmm. Trim spot, <laughs> baby. <laughs> but yeah, that amusement park, I think I'm always going to get a new influx of people coming in and out. There's going to be some great eavesdropping in there, so... And if I'm a Slimer ghost, I can eat all the funnel cakes and hot dergs that I can stand. Good call. You really chained it together there. That works... Thank you. That works well. Yeah, trying to reach my goals. Finally, last question. What do you think it'll be like when you die? Woo, man. This is kind of relevant for the movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'll be surrounded by people I love. All right. I'm not sure, but I think I'll die from an illness. What? All right. Ooh, that's fun. It'll be very sad. Everyone will be upset. <laughs> everyone. Literally everyone. Wow. Quietly. What? These, these answers are, they're all over the place. Um, they think different in France and Mexico. <laughs> yep. It'll be for a cause I believe in. All right. Or violently. <laughs> oh, man. What a bummer of a final question. Yeah, uh, this is kind of leaving us on a low note here, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, so what do you think, Ben? How are you going to die? You know, Violently? I, I, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, I'm going to go total just egomaniac here and just say it'll be sad. Everyone will be upset. Literally just, everyone. You know what? Yeah, everyone. The entire world. Everyone everybody. disliked that. The, yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. It'll get no likes on Facebook. People will be like, Zero I don't know likes. how I feel about giving it the like or the thumbs up. It seems like I'm saying I like that he died and I'm not going to do that. Nope. So uh, Zero cry, likes. Cry react, I guess. Uh. <laughs> 
Um, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with violently just for fun. <laughs> All right. All right. So, what did you get, Ben? Dude, I'm gonna apparently be a grieving ghost. You'll spend your days as a ghost, grieving and groaning, probably because the circumstances of your death will be pretty tragic. Wow. We have a feeling there's a huge betrayal involved, which will explain why you'll end up just dedicating all of eternity to crying it out, vive la France. That's vive la France, a bummer. Says. That's weird. Yeah, man. He, yeah, he's standing up for what he believes in. So. All right. So yeah. you're going to be just weeping and wailing, huh? It sounds like I'm an emo ghost. I'm just going to be, ooh. So you're basically Davy Stranger as a ghost. Yeah, that works. I'll that take does it. make I'll sense. It. That does make sense. <laughs> I'm going to be a tormented ghost. Oh, shit, dude. You'll be a ghost who's tormented by decisions made during life and who's unable to move on from them. Okay, yeah, that's probably true. That's uh, That just sounds like anxiety ghost. I was going to say, this sounds like, yeah, an- anxiety ghost to me, too. Yeah. As a result, you end up causing a lot of panic and destruction amongst the living. All right. Collateral damage as you try to work out your trauma, but it's not like you really want to cause harm. You just have to figure out how to meet a serious exorcist or even just a very sympathetic human who can help you find some peace. So, um... Wow. I'm glad they gave you instructions, though, where it's like, if this happens, here's your way out. I'm going to just, I guess, post this uh, on all the dating sites. Ghost looking for serious exorcist. <laughs> Not a casual exorcist at yeah, all. Yeah, no, I want, listen, don't come at me like, oh, yeah, I'll throw some, some exorcist water at you or whatever. Like, no, I want the real <laughs> shit. I want the real yeah. shit. <laughs> well, that was enlightening, man. I was really hoping that I would get to be, you know, a uh, total gorge ghost and just eat my way through eternity. But That would have been awesome. Do? Yeah, you really gave the good Slimer answers. Like, it should have been haunting uh, (laughs) an amusement park, eating all the funnel cake, and children loving you. I think so. And just having a dip dog whenever I please. Dip dog. Dip dog, that's right. (laughs) All right, Steve, never mind that shit. Here comes Mungo. It's time to talk (laughs) about Lake Mungo, which I am so struggling to see how this is any kind of a sequel to Lake Placid. I'm just not getting it. I think it's a prequel is the thing. Okay. Um, Yeah, they don't mention it, but the thing that drowned her was a giant alligator. (laughs) (laughs) Mystery solved, because that was my biggest question, really, coming away from this movie. is like, well, how did she drown? Yeah. Duh. Giant alligator. Fucking giant giant Mm -hmm. alligator. Makes all the sense in the world now. I see it, man. The the giant alligator's first victim caught on tape. (laughs) And Betty White defends this motherfucker. Mm. Come on. Yeah, right. Come on. Yeah, this movie came out in 2008. And from everything I understand about it, didn't really cause too great of a stir when it came out. But this is one of those ones that was really kept alive and made popular by like people reviewing it on YouTube and stuff and film critics on YouTube being like, no, really fucking watch this movie. And that kind of like need to see it saved it from obscurity. And I had never seen this movie. You drew it out of the uh, Patreon pick Smoking Bowl last week, and you said, we're doing Lake Mungo, and I was like, I remember hearing about that. I remember people in the group saying that we should watch it, but I know nothing about it. I, yeah. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't read anything. I just hit play and watched it for what it was, and that made it 
to me anyway, so much, so much better. But the funny thing is, is in my head, I thought that this was like a true crime movie. I think I was confusing it with Wolf Creek, which is about like the backpack murders, right? Right. Well, loosely based on, yeah. Loosely, yeah. yeah. I, I thought that it was that. So when this started and it's like, no, it's like a documentary uh, ghost story about this family dealing with grief and stuff. I was like, oh, this is definitely not what I thought this was and just watched it with a clean slate and... I was I was fucking floored, man. I think this movie is really, really amazing, uh, and I want to talk about it. What did you know about this flick going into it, and had you ever seen it before? No, hadn't seen it. This was uh, I went into it completely cold, and um, yeah, it's um, it's one of those movies that um, I understand why people are kicking up a fuss about it, trying to get people to watch it because it. Uh, it's got some unique elements to it, but it, it, it really is just like, it plays out in such a realistic fashion and feels so real in a, in a, a way that you really want from horror movies. Uh, 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 that feeling of like, oh God, this could happen to me type of thing that hits when a, a, a horror movie is really just dialed in to exactly what um, scares us as people oh yeah and that can be super effective whenever you're doing it in the you know uh, mockumentary slash found footage kind of genre which unfortunately rarely happens because i mean don't get me wrong like i think the first cloverfield is a cool movie but it never feels real i never no. see that big cgi alien and, and i'm like wow this feels like it's really happening of course you don't you can tell it's fake Mm -hmm. This thing, though, and a couple other found footage things that we've done on the show, man, it really, really, really is effective. This yeah. just feels like you're watching a documentary. In fact, I have seen way more documentaries of crazy stories of shit that's happened to people that seem more far-fetched than this. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the issue people tend to have with uh, these fake documentary horror movies is generally that either it looks too good like that's not how it would look if a documentary crew was having to shoot this uh spontaneous event in the woods or whatever mm -hmm. um or that uh the the documentary filmmakers are uh, way more involved than any documentary filmmaker would ever be like right. they're, they're directly influencing all of the events uh, and this doesn't fall into those pits. This just really feels like a documentary. Like it, it, they use so many different like film formats and stuff that like give it that feel of like, okay, this is news footage and this is cell phone footage and this is like home footage and these are different cameras for home footage. Like all of it feels so much more like an actual documentary where they're piecing together all these different elements and then all of the interviews feel really natural. Probably because there was no written dialogue for this movie. That's mind-blowing. I read that and I was like completely floored because, yeah, there were just kind of like script prompts. Yeah. And then these all unknown actors who they deliberately chose because they're unknown and makes it feel more real are somehow just fucking master improvisers that delivered this stuff in such a natural, realistic way. Like, 
dude, one of the things I like about the performances in this movie are, is that they're reserved. Yes. Because whenever you put somebody on camera and you're like, hey, talk about grief, talk about how your kid died. Like, you know, I think in a fake documentary, it would be really easy for them to overact and fucking go Absolutely. for that Oscar and all that stuff. But in real life, people get kind of reserved whenever they're on camera talking about this stuff. They want to appear composed yeah, they're and in control of their together. emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that everybody in this movie, from the parents to the, you know, to the, to the son, Matthew, to the friends that they interview, everybody is like a little bit reserved and that makes it more realistic to me. The performances are, yeah, in my opinion, fucking fantastic. Yeah. I was, I was, um, I was really surprised by it because, uh, yeah, the, the idea that you're going to use, uh, relatively unknown actors is, is good in, in theory, but then you, you also have to find relatively unknown actors who are just really, really good. And for yeah. some reason, unknown, uh, so yeah, that, that's gotta be, seems like it would be tough, but they, they nailed it with so many people. Like it has that documentary thing where there's so many people involved, like yeah. different police, different, uh, investigators and things like the, uh, the psychic guy, the people that are just friends with the family, like mm-hmm. just so many different characters. And to, to know that like. So many of them are having to give these really, like, tough performances, like, uh, uh, Fred, his, um, the, the dad's co-worker who's on. Oh, yeah, Frederick, yeah. He, he's got a real tough character to try to pull off. Georgie, the same, like, some of the, the supporting characters are these real tough characters to pull off, especially knowing they had to improvise them and still be interesting while still getting out exposition like it, it's it's absolutely nuts and it and as we said feels so much like an actual documentary that obviously they're nailing it yeah totally man i think if i was on the set of this i would just be constantly being like why aren't you famous like your acting is insane <laughs> right why aren't you famous yet man yeah like this this entire movie feels like okay to me it feels like if you managed to get david lynch to direct an episode of unsolved mysteries yeah yeah you know yeah it's well i mean it it obviously takes some inspiration from twin peaks sure because uh we have an alice palmer uh the palmer name like laura palmer from from twin peaks she also has this secret life much like laura palmer did and um it's a tragic death uh with a lot of mystery to it and things but also a lot of uh no, nothing i would say entirely quirky like the, nothing in here ever gets silly or quirky but right. uh very yeah very dreamlike at times and and uh, i mean tons and tons of dreams and visions and things being talked about yeah and even some of like the b-roll stuff that they filmed of like you know the slow camera pans through the yeah. house and things mm-hmm. reminded me a lot of like Mulholland drive yep. where you like you just have this sense of dread where it's like, there's nothing on screen. It's just a camera floating through a house, but you're like, don't go around that corner. Like, I don't want to see what's around that corner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really had that kind of vibe to me as well, man. And I'll tell you what, it's really got me fascinated to check out all the director's other extensive body of work. I was so surprised when I looked and there's nothing else. Like just this is the only thing he's done. The only feature length thing he's done. He's got two shorts, but like, 
and it's like why not what i just i know i need to know like what happened because this is uh really well done i mean he he was worked on uh, a project he was trying to get done his name is joel anderson uh we didn't say his name sorry um he was working on a project uh trying to get this movie made and basically the he was being told the budget was too big so he started working on something to try to figure out like a smaller budget thing he could do and this is what came out of it uh and it, it just seems like okay so you got a good filmmaker who showed that with a low budget he could make something like this why aren't we seeing any more I would right? like to if he can work this well under those constraints of budget and stuff, holy shit! Now let me yeah. ask you this: Do you know if the 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 big money project he was working on was it this story, and he decided to tell this story as a cheap documentary? Is something it was different? a different thing, I believe. Yeah. God, what is it about? I don't know. I'd like to know. Wouldn't it be <laughs> awesome if it did turn out just to be some like fucking bullshit, I'd stupid ass that. idea? Ice Pirates too. <laughs> yeah <laughs> ice boogaloo i don't know <laughs> lake mungo 2 uh, uh electric mungaloo <laughs> lake mungo 2 she's back yeah <laughs> oh man yeah this guy like i'll tell you the fact that this is the only thing that he's ever done and then he's just kind of become a ghost like his imdb doesn't even have his headshot on it it's just like the blank picture uh yeah. You can't even find what this guy looks like is insane. And to me, that makes it, God, it makes it even more mysterious. Like, it makes it to me, like, imagine if, if you know, uh, Tool released um, Enema, and that's the only thing they ever did, and then they just vanished. And people are just like, have you heard this album by this band called Tool? It's the only thing they ever did. Or, like, if Pink Floyd just released The Wall and called it quits, and that's yeah. their singular thing they've done. It would be just... A, a very like there'd be a lot of questions of well what happened here <laughs> like that yeah that seemed like a real ambitious project with a whole lot of like talent to it could we see some more please but i also saw a quote from him where he said that like from the get-go the idea of a flick kind of coming out of nowhere and nobody really knowing anything about who made it and stuff uh and it being a very mysterious like this could be real kind of movie he said from the get-go, he thought that that was a very appealing idea um, for this to be a movie that gets unearthed years later and people are like, where did this come from? And nobody can find any details about it. So huh. he kind of had that in mind. And it sort of makes me wonder if like, if this was written under a pseudonym or if he has since started writing under a pseudonym. Like, oh, man. You know? Do you think it's possible? I don't know if the dates line up, but 2008... You think it's possible after this he's the guy who created Bitcoin? Oh my god, it very well could be. <laughs> he was like, well, <laughs> I don't need to make another movie, and it kind of fits with that ethos I had of that movie, so um, I'm done. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Cryptocurrency. That's it, man. created Bitcoin. Okay, could be. I think that makes it really cool, though. I mean, the fact that like you can't really find anything about this guy... And it just seems like he had just this one statement he wanted to make, and he's like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. Man, I think that makes it really cool. Yeah, no, I, I think that would be cool if you're, if you're right, that it's just a, like a pseudonym and that the idea was to just make it this weird project that people find later, and they're like, wait, is this real? Because I could re like very easily see this being rediscovered 
in 2028 and people not really having a, a grasp of what it is. Yeah, totally. Man, it's it's really, really interesting. And um, yeah, the documentary feel of it is so very convincing that I, I honestly think that you could just put this on for somebody that doesn't know anything about it and be like, oh yeah, watch this this documentary about it's about this crazy unsolved death in Australia that happened in the early 2000s. Yeah. And I really think somebody could just sit there and watch this and be like, this is fucked up. Yeah. Did they ever solve it? Did they ever find out what happened? What the fuck was that video at the end? Like, I honestly think you could fool a lot of people into thinking that this was real. I know it would work on me. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And so yeah, the, this is a, an interesting little movie that uh, i guess we should uh, probably talk about the events yeah let's talk about the the basic story because it, it's it's kind of like a christmas carol where it's like alice was dead to begin with like when our tale starts alice has already died um the daughter of a seemingly average family two parents uh, a son a daughter goes uh on a swimming trip during a family picnic and drowns Nobody ever sees her again. And then the family starts getting possibly paranormal visits, thinking that the daughter is haunting the house. And, you know, through their just trying to come to terms with the loss and the inexplicable way that she left the world, they uncover that she had secrets. Yeah. And man, does shit ever get weird. <laughs> One quibble there is it, she, she is found. They find her body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's she's not just like lost and like they think maybe she's she's gonna come back. The mom does think that though, because uh, she didn't see the body. And there, there's yeah, the twists and turns of everything, and it it, it plays out so much like a very solid um, murder documentary that just exactly what you want out of those, which is unfortunately the gruesome. Uh, details and secrets of a, a person's life, which you don't tend to seek out when someone dies of uh, uh, an illness. You right, don't yeah. tend to look for their secrets. So the moment someone dies in sus a suspicious way, that's when you start trying to figure things out. Like, well, how did this happen? Why did this mm -hmm. happen? And that's when everything starts looking weird. That's true. Yeah, you go back and look at old photos, and you're like, "Well, they did look kind of sad here." Yeah, or, well, that, that person was looking at them aggressively when we went and saw a movie that night, or whatever. Exactly. Like, everything looks suspect whenever the death was really unexpected. We just talked about this on uh, the "We Need to Talk About Kevin" episode about yeah. how you know, looking back on things, you can over exaggerate certain things or uh, project a lot of like the future onto the past. Um, and th this movie kind of explores that it explores like what, what can we believe? What can we know for sure in any of this? And also too, like how well do you know a person, even a family member that's living in your house? You know, you don't, you don't know all their secrets. Yeah. You, you, you don't know anyone fully ever. It's impossible that there, there's always something hidden, something, uh, and th this movie is kind of about that. I mean, uh, what what happens in, in one way of looking at this, the supernatural way of looking at this, is that 
Alice, um, while walking on the lake, sees her own self. She sees a doppelganger of herself, but dead. Yeah. And then the events of her life lead up to her then drowning at that lake. So this is classic doppelganger shit. That's what doppelgangers are always up to. They're mm, like, doppelgangers hey, got a doppelgang. I'm going to come into your life and upend it. Uh, I am a, a, a bad omen, most mm. likely an omen of your death. We got to do something about these doppelgangers, man. They are really... Uh, cancel doppelgangers, too, while we're what? at it. You know what? Cancel doppelgangers. Every doppelganger needs yep. to be canceled. And let me tell you why. Um, they're dicks? Yeah, Is they that, seem to be. that good enough? Yeah, they're dicks. Not a lot of good ever comes from them, as yeah. far as I know. I mean, we've seen us, too, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just not cool, these doppelgangers. So, the basically, if we look at the supernatural reading of this that that's what happened and then she is returning but also she kind of dreamed of herself as a ghost so it's kind of like some some potential time displacement things going on especially at the end yeah 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 but another way of reading this is uh, everybody's trying to make a lot out of something and um, they want explanations for a tragic death. But yeah, there aren't any, but they're trying to make those explanations. I mean, one, one example of why I think that we have to look at this as perhaps an unreliable uh storytellers giving us information her family mm-hmm. and and the people around her uh her dad talks about that one night when he like this is the first time that they see Alice after she's dead or he does he's yeah. in her room and then suddenly she walks in and she's just going about her day without noticing him and then he stands up and she notices him and then comes lunging at him saying, get out, get out. Yeah. A little later in the documentary, they're talking about Matt, uh, you know, kind of obsessively filming everything as a young man. And one of the films is of him secretly filming Alice then she turns around and notices him and comes running at him screaming, get out, get out. I know. I noticed that. I was like, that's exactly what the dad was talking about. The father about. was just falsely remembering a video is one way to see this. He remembers the video his son shot and he is putting together things that weren't real. See, I wondered about that too with the mom because the mom talks about how she had a dream where Alice was standing at the foot of the bed crying. Yep. And then later on, Alice said she woke up from a dream and I want to talk about this more later. She said she woke up and she felt drugged and the feeling didn't go away when she woke up and she just went into her parents' room and stood at the foot of the bed and cried because she knew there was nothing they could do for her anymore. Which yeah. is so fucking brutal and sad the way she says that. But then when the mom says that was a dream she had, it's like, well, was it? Or did you maybe, you know, see that in the in the haze of sleep and then in the morning 
think of it and be like, oh, that was a weird dream. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of overlap uh, with things. And, and like, obviously, a- after the dad has that vision, uh, you know, there's some pictures that that come out that could be Alice. But then we find out that, one, it's just Matt in the background in Alice's hoodie. And two... Just clowning. Yeah. Uh, two, Matt doing double exposures uh, or doing projections of her in the background yeah. of videos. So those are fake. And then we're supposed to believe, though, after that, that all the things are real. But why? It's very, like, you feel, like, very manipulated while you're watching the movie where it's just like, oh, my God, she's in the fo-. No, she's not. Yeah. But there also might be ghosts. Wait, what? Like, it's very, like, I don't know what to believe, which is exactly. also the mark of a good documentary, too. Like, True. there's been a lot of the documentaries that we've watched that have been like, man, I think that guy's lying, but also this other guy yeah. sounds like he might be lying, too. <laughs> yeah, he does that so well. Like, honestly, the first time watching it through, the only way I saw it was the supernatural way. Yeah. Uh, but then I read uh, that the the filmmaker didn't see it as a paranormal movie. He saw it as a movie so about crazy. grief. And so yeah, yeah. thinking of it as a movie about grief, it's like, oh, okay, well, th- these these are all the ways that these people dealt with their grief of their daughter and all the ways they found of trying to make sense of this. And finally, they feel like they can move on at the end. And whatever it is that got them to feeling like they can move on, it doesn't matter. Like, Yeah, totally. Just that they can move on from this tragedy is a positive thing. And in their process of dealing with uh, their grief of losing their daughter and trying to figure out, like, why did this happen? What was she hiding? Blah, blah, blah. The one big question that it, it only really hit me a day or two after watching the movie, the one big question they never really ask is, why did she drown? How did she drown? Like, yeah, what caused her to die? Like, they were so obsessed with their own grief and trying to figure out, like, Oh, why was she taken from us and stuff? They never said, how was she taken from us? Yeah, it really is just accepted very much that she did drown. And the the documentary doesn't ever really call into question much. No. But there, I mean, you know, there is the mention that maybe the, the, the pool, poolies, the two twoies two two hey two hey twoies twoies the twoies the neighbors yeah the neighbors that she babysat for that um uh, uh had sex with her we'll talk about that in a second um Oof, man there's some maybe idea that perhaps they were involved in her death i mean they were obviously very shady and having a sexual relationship with a 15 or 16 year old they 16 year old they broke into the house to try to find the sex tape and then they amscrayed and left town and maybe changed their names and nobody knows where they are like right that definitely does look guilty as fuck but is that a red herring i don't know uh, i mean that's see there's two ways to look at that sex tape one um, the, as the police say, she is of legal age and from the, the video seems to be consenting. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the twoies don't have anything to run from. Hmm. Like the family tells us they ran, but did they run 
or were they just trying to get away from this weird stigma like or like were they just moving hmm obviously he broke in for that tape so there's something like there's something there like obviously (laughs) i don't care if she is of legal age they shouldn't be having sex with a 16 year old Uh, no yeah they're adults they they had kids that were uh, tweens it looked like so the this is inappropriate as fuck doesn't matter how legal it is uh but also you know the mother's the sort of in inferring from all this that maybe that's what led to her death i don't know like like they they think maybe she like it's so much like of this um just guessing and that that's what the movie relies on a lot is is just this guessing as to her motivations that that keep us constantly in this uh feeling of like who was she who was this alice like we never get a full picture of her because i i mean the sex tape she she is into it but that's also adults manipulating a teenager so like how into it was she is her mom right was she traumatized by this event and then there's also a lot of speculation about maybe matthew did it yeah Um, there's he (laughs) that he was constantly like filming her and in her face with the camera and everybody says that they were close but we mainly just see her being like why are you in my room get out of here with your camera right and him kind of being creepy honestly and also like maybe he's yeah. obviously shady or at least has weird ways of going about things with him being yeah. like maybe if i fake the ghost of my dead sister in these photographs it'll make my family happy like he at least has a weird way of processing things he does that you you yeah. could look at you could look at that action of him faking the photos and stuff as being like this might give my mom hope and closure yeah or he's just really fucked up it's hard to say i yeah i i yeah like i think that she just drowned and i think that yeah it was a weird teenage boy way of processing things that just but there's very much a way to see this as like oh he's he's like already pretty adept at staging false realities and a whole upholding lies over a long period of time and not really seeming to express much guilt or remorse about it it's it's definitely suspicious and it's one of those things that i i thought about a lot after i watched the movie in terms of you know when i was just like wait but who killed her like did she just drown was it a, was it a drop bear did the drop bear get it in australia probably a drop bear yeah could have been <laughs> and yeah like the second time watching it through watching all the matthew stuff it was just kind of odd like their relationship was at least strange strange enough that i noticed you know yeah but again like how strange would it be if she didn't die well, but again, it's like, you know, also too, kind of like what we were saying, whenever somebody dies under unusual circumstances, it makes you look at all those totally innocuous videos and be like, oh, she told him to get out. She was angry at him. He was filming her. It's like, well, maybe it was totally normal. And if she hadn't died, I wouldn't look at it that way. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, this is just brother-sister behavior, and um, he really loved his sister, and he's devastated by her death. That's, I mean, that's common, normal, normal everyday stuff, but it's, um, it's placed in this light. The moment that the moment that we all feel like we get to weigh in, basically, is when things kind of go askew. Because the the second that we all feel like, oh, this is a, a public matter, uh, that's when we start to pry and prod and find everything to judge about other people's lives and things like that. And that, like... Th- this movie kind of exposes a good bit of that. I mean, the movie is not... I don't think that this film is saying these type of documentaries are a good thing and they give us a definitive ending. I think it's saying, like, these type of documentaries, like, this is exactly what they do. They cast suspicion on everything. They cast suspicion on everyone. Yeah. And in this case, I, I love the fact that the death, the cause of death is never really a question. Like, right. it's, it's just drowning. Did like they're they're we're looking at ways that there could have been a killer and who it would have been, but the documentary never really goes anywhere with that. It, no, I mean documentary, mockumentary, fake documentary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, sure feels like it. Yeah, it, it never really goes anywhere with that. It 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 is exploring the ways that this family deals with their grief and. Also, what happened uh, is is never fully explained. We're only given that blurry 2007 cell phone, like half a megapixel camera video where we see that face. Oh, my God. That we're told to associate with her dead face. And so yeah. we do. But it, oh my god, dude! It could be anything. It could just be uh, somebody with a flashlight shining on their face. Well, that's the thing about this, though, is the way that this movie does so much stuff with grainy, low pixel yeah. count. You know, early two thousand cell phones. Um, it really plays with that. I, I can't remember what the the scientific term for it is, but it's that. Um, you know, natural instinct of the human brain to try to find faces and like everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's like para something or another. I can't remember what it's called, but it really does play on that. Where like, especially some of the really early shots that you get of Alice's ghost in the background, it zooms in and zooms in and zooms yeah. in and zooms in, and your mind makes it into a face. There's w- one in particular where it zooms in, and I'm like, why is it zooming in on this? And I didn't ever. I know see the one anything. you're talking about. It's like yeah. in the hallway, right? Yeah. And you're just like, what am what am I looking at? I can't see anything. And they're like, and you see it clear as day. And I'm like, no, I, I actually don't. Yeah. At all. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an intentional like use of that where it's like, it's showing like there's, they're seeing things like they're yeah. looking real hard for these things and seeing these things. But dude, even just the way that those shit cameras that they filmed that on, you know, when they zoom in on stuff, and especially when it's low light at nighttime, like a lot of the videos are, the way that whenever they zoom in and the natural uh, distortions and, you know, yeah. pixelation and stuff that occurs will even make a totally static, you know, face of Alice's ghost 
look like maybe it's making facial expressions or it's playing on your mind right. going like is it moving right now like again yeah. that could be a fucking pumpkin on a brick wall and you wouldn't Absolutely. know your brain is going it's alice i can see your face it's moving it's like your brain does so much work in this for you uh and it's honestly just shit footage that they used and it's so fucking convincing there's something about the fact that it is kind of garbage looking during those parts that makes it scarier to me man because it reminds me of our early days on the internet and the weird <laughs> fucking holes that you could go down in the early 2000s there was and some you'd watch weird videos shit. yeah yeah you'd watch videos that were just like what is this uh-huh and it would be like the fucking beach video like that feels yeah. like a video i would have stumbled on in 2006 and not been able to fucking sleep that night. It feels like some <laughs> weird random internet video that you would come across and not be able to explain, and because of the low quality, not even be able to tell if it's fake or not, but it just haunting you, man. I don't know if you had any experiences like that with like early internet days back then, but I remember finding stuff like that and just being like really uncomfortable about it. Uh, yeah, well, I saw a lot of shit early internet that made me really uncomfortable but yeah <laughs> yeah no i i know the stuff you're talking about um there was a lot of stuff that uh it didn't it didn't stick with me but i i know what you're talking about the less uh early internet more recent the elisa lamb video did that to me what was that? that uh, I don't know. They made a documentary that uh, really exploited a lot of this uh, story recently for Netflix. But the Elisa Lam story was uh, this girl was staying at a hotel in uh, Los Angeles. And uh, there's a really weird video of her uh, looking like maybe someone was chasing her. Uh, and then acting very strangely in an elevator, and then she was found later dead, drowned in the the um, water reservoir thing on the top of the hotel. Jeez. Yeah, uh, the story is a real sort of mystery. Um, and if you see the video, she's acting very strangely. But they're. Investigate the case. It's it's not. Um, I wouldn't recommend that documentary. I'll say, but the 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 story, the video itself was very creepy, and just mm. like stuck with me and made me like for a couple of days, just kind of like freaked out. Uh, yeah, that sounds definitely definitely weird, man. And I think that just watching this kind of took me back to that. Like, I feel like if this was, you know made now and all the cell phone footage was on uh you know a newer iphone or droid or something like that and it looks super good and super crisp yeah i think it would be a lot harder to sell this man because again just due to the low quality like whenever we see the fucking dead girl on the beach or whatever the fuck that thing is it's so much of your mind filling in the gaps of the footage because like if you just see that still it probably won't have any effect on you at all you probably yeah. You know, until it's right up on the camera, you probably can't even tell what the fuck it is. But by this point, the movie has trained you to zoom in closelier, more closelier. Do you see right. the face? I see the face. That, like, anytime it shows you any of this footage, I don't know about you, but my brain was going into overdrive being like, yeah, what am I looking at? What is everywhere. that? Who is that? Is uh -huh. it her? Yeah. It's it's kind of like what we talked about with um, 
I think it was with Paranormal Activity, where it's like the movie trains you to watch the corners in the background so much yeah. that, you know, it can show you something in the foreground and scare the shit out of you. And it's so crazy to me, too, that this came out pre-Paranormal Activity. Like, apparently this is being well, written in, like, 2005? What? Well, I mean, uh, Paranormal Activity came out in 2007, technically. Okay. Came it like, went out on festivals. So it came out before, but... Like, yeah, there's no way Joel Anderson knew anything about paranormal activity. So they're, yeah, like they, they're simultaneously basically being thought up and uh, executed and completely like hitting on so many of the same elements of like training you to scan for things low budget using the low budget like cheap camera element to your advantage all of those things that paranormal activity really shines at like mungo really shines at and yeah there's no way that they were taking from each other yeah totally man made on opposite sides of the damn world at the same time you know so that that's yeah really cool. very very effective man very very fucking effective to me we- what you were talking about regarding the low grade quality of the cell phone this is uh, i think one of the genius elements of this movie is that um it it pulls out all of the tricks of spiritualism uh the rise in spiritualism happened in the victorian era in the 19th century but basically mm-hmm. it was it was really constantly being uh, puffed up by new advances in technology so projection the use the use of projection that we see in this was used a lot of time in stage shows by spiritualist magicians or whatever um the use of double exposure to create spirit photography it's very interesting spirit photography became super popular Right around the time double exposure was figured out. It's crazy. <laughs> what are the odds? It's almost like it's like zero spiritual photography existed before they discovered how to make double exposures. So <laughs> what do you know? What do you know? So th- this movie works with those things and then also introduces the new thing. And that is the limitations of technology being used to create the illusion of spirit so we got him we have matt doing the just double exposure stuff which you know he talks about and then also the use of reflections and and things to create a projection um but then he says that Everything after a certain point he couldn't have done because he wasn't there. Oh, and he was on his like weird road trip with the psychic. Whatever the fuck is up with that. Right, right. And we just take him at his word <laughs> for whatever reason that he couldn't have taught his parents how to do these things to keep up the story. Or, right, like maybe they were benefiting from all the exposure and stuff, right. so it's like, well, I'm gone, so if you guys could doctor up this footage, that'd be great. Yeah, maybe that happened, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, there, there's just so many uh, so many ways to see that, okay, 
this is the thing I think that cements for me that this is all fake. The picture, the first picture where he like is like, oh, I caught Alice in a picture that I randomly take in my backyard once a month. Yeah. In that picture, you can see Alice twice. She's sitting on the bench as well. Yeah, yeah. It shows you, like, kind of the the very end of the movie where it's showing you, like, oh, yeah, also she's sitting on the bench. Like, it's not... I mean, it's a a big photo, and it's a wide exposure and stuff like that, but it's like, man, if you stared at that long enough, if you could find, you know, the fake Alice that's in there... Yeah, you can look to the right, yeah, and find it, too. Which is, like, uh, definitely a way you could look at this and go, like, oh, okay, well, that means that Alice was actually there. No. That means this kid's a better con man than he lets on. Oh, you're saying he faked both exposures? Yeah, he faked both exposures and admitted to one. Hmm, okay. Makes the second one look more realistic. It does make the second one look more bona fide. That's a good point. And also, again, it buys into that like, oh, I was on vacation with the psychic. There's no way I could have done that. Yeah. Yeah, so there's just so many, like, ways to see this as Matt being manipulative of his parents and the media and and also maybe the parents being complicit in it and, and being also like, maybe the parents benefiting from this yeah catching on and being like oh okay we'll keep this up but then also there's another way of seeing this all is just they're dealing with grief they're not doing this for exposure they're doing this because it's their outlet for grief yeah. Like they're not trying to get attention, but it's also like it's nice that people are paying attention in a way that isn't cuz like when somebody close to you dies, the hardest thing is that people only talk about that. Sure. And if you could get any sort of other conversation, any sort of other attention, just something other than heard that thing that's real hard for you happened. Let me remind you of it and ask you about Ugh. it so you can talk about it a good bit. Like, yeah, for real. I- I- anything. If you could just talk about ghosts or something, like maybe she's a ghost. Maybe we could talk about her as a ghost. Like anything you could grasp onto that would get you attention in any way other than, oh, those poor people. Like, well, but there's also the notion, too, that, you know, if they're being haunted by this ghost, that means that she's not gone. I mean, the mom at so many times right. through, the mo- through the movie just seems downright hopeful that she's yes. being haunted by her daughter's ghost. And it's like, man, that is that's fucking grim for one. But but that also just shows you the links that like the human psyche will go to to say this isn't over like this life right. can't have ended this person is still with me and still going on, even if it's, you know, from beyond the veil. Yeah. Um, which, which I think is a very, like, sad and realistic portrayal of grief and the fragility of the human psyche in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the, the I would say the root cause of the creation of all mythology is fear of death. Oh, absolutely so, yeah. Because yeah. there has to be something after. And there's got to be something after, and let's yeah. let's focus on that, and let's focus on what that could be, and what that'll be like, and how great it's going to be. And, and I'll see you again, is the thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, death is, we're just not seeing each other for a little bit, but it'll be all good after a bit. Yeah, it, the, the basis of all that we do is we're afraid of 
death. Like, I... <laughs> I mean, the Greeks already knew this. It's sex and death. Like, you want pleasure, and you're trying to put off death. That's what you want. You gotta That's have... people the, for you. You gotta <laughs> have the things that make you happy, and you gotta put off the things that make you sad. And death is, is the worst. And that's why we've come up with, as I've said before in talking about the undead, ghosts are the undead. Uh, that's why we've come up with all these different varieties of, of people coming back from mm -hmm. the dead. And, and also, through thinking it through, we've always come to the conclusion that that would be a bad thing. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And and that is exactly what it is, is we're dealing with our grief and it will be ridiculous. We'll be ridiculous. We'll be like, well, well maybe maybe they're, they're here right now in an invisible form and they can affect the world. And maybe, the, you know, this thing that's happening right now is them speaking to me. And all of these things we can come up with to just finally move on. Sure. I, yeah. I, it's fine you know it's kind of fine a lot of it, it when it's harmless when no one is actually hurt by it um it's it seems fine but then you can say matt hurt some people he kind of you know if if there are no spirits and he gave people hope that there are like he can give people the illusion that there is an afterlife and maybe there's an outlet in suicide and things like that like uh you know a lot of people can look at uh, the uh, that guy uh, uh who talks to the other side what the fuck was his name uh there's a million oh, you're talking about cro crossing over with yeah uh, that guy yeah a lot of people guy, yeah. look at that guy and and i remember defenses of him were like well he makes people feel better and it's like well he also gives people a false expectation of what's gonna happen when they die and maybe makes people more comfortable than they should be with just giving up. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and that's honestly something too I wondered about Ray, our psychic that that hire in this too. Yeah. Like how legit is this guy because even some of the stuff that he says at the very first whenever we first meet him, he just seems to be like I just want to kind of give people hope and make them feel more comfortable with the notion of dying. Like he doesn't really ever say like, oh yeah, I 100% believe this stuff. And right. even like whenever it shows him on the radio show doing those readings for people and he's like, oh, there's somebody you've not seen in a while. They're going to come back and make a big difference. It's just like, who the fuck couldn't relate to that? That's so vague. Everybody has somebody they haven't seen in a while. Like yep. those are those easy answers that, you know, your horoscopes and stuff like that give out. But he just legit is trying to help people. I mean, Matthew with his fake photography shenanigans might honestly just be trying to help his maybe. mom. Yeah. Maybe that is it. And that's the way I think the documentary kind of leaves us feeling at the end. Is that like documentary again, I keep saying documentary, but it, that, that is to. what it's meant to be. Uh, it's meant to feel that way. Uh, at the end, it seems like we're supposed to feel like this is just a family who they, they were, dealing with grief and this is the way they dealt with it and let's not judge them because of it and then that's fine but the thing about it is too as far as like ray is concerned 
I mean, do you think that that even is maybe why he and Matthew became so close and even went on this vacation is because Ray saw... Yeah, yeah, he (laughs) saw the things that Matthew was doing and is like, you're just trying to help even though you don't believe this stuff just like I do. Because I don't think that you would usually go on a vacation with your family's psychic who's helping you try to solve (laughs) your sister's death. Like, that seems weird to me unless there was something that the two of them saw in each other. And, And like the vagaries of the way it presents it. Because there's one way of seeing this as... Alice went to the psychic. What's his name? Fuck. Uh, uh, his name is Ray. Oh, Ray. So th- there's one way. Okay, so Alice went to Ray when she was alive. Yeah, when she like knew she was gonna die. Right. There's one way of seeing Ray as he tried to help Alice, and then the mom came to him with no knowledge of this and he sees this as a way of maybe because he wasn't able to help Alice of helping the family and he just wants to help Matt you know because Matt's interested in in uh, photography and filming and all this and he just wants to help Matt to process things so he's like you know come out with me on the road to try to get his mind on doing a job and off of uh you know the his dead sister yeah and he's just trying to help his family out he's just trying way. to help all he's doing is trying to help but there's also a way of looking at it as he's just a, a full-out scammer and he uh saw this opportunity and just took advantage and brought matt along because of the fame of his sister would help him maybe get some more people out to come get cold readings or whatever like there's a way of seeing him as a as a a villain in this but i i i think the way he comes off to me is that he really like you said does think he's helping people and does see that in matt that matt is just trying to help but you know maybe a little misguided well, here's the thing, though, too, uh, going off of everything that we that we just talked about, about him having worked with Alice before he worked with the family, he already knew a lot of Alice's secrets. He knew uh-huh. things that Alice was going through that the family did not. He knew that she was very troubled. Her family did not know she was very troubled until after her death and stuff. And also, too, we know that whenever, you know, he started working with the family on the case, he already had Alice's secrets. Yeah. Um, in his hand, so to speak. And also, too, he does make mention of the fact that he does often work under hypnosis um, with his hey. patients and stuff, right? Yeah. And suggestion. And the thing is, is if someone is under hypnosis, you can do a lot with suggestion yeah. to get them to think certain ways or look for certain things and, you know, kind of like, kind of sort of brainwash them, honestly. Yeah. So... Even some of those things where, you know, like at the very end of the movie, let's say, when you have this crazy overlay of the mom's last session with Ray mm-hmm. and Alice's last session with Ray and how their stories kind of like combine where Alice is like, I see my mom and the mom is like, nobody's in the room and all that crazy weird shit. This may have been all stuff that Ray gave to the mom under hypnosis and suggested that she remember things this way 
Maybe. And then taped yeah. it. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you're like, you really don't know. And the thing that I love about this movie is the fact that it doesn't tell you. It's like he could have been manipulating that family the entire time because he knew this dead girl's secrets. This dead girl wasn't going to come to the family and be like, hey, uh, he's using my secrets against you to make you think a certain way about what happened. She's gone. She's dead. She's not there to speak for herself. He could be manipulating the whole time. But this movie, documentary, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm really just lets you decide it's it so would have been like more cinematic and more like a movie if it did lead you down that path to be like oh i see what he's doing here he's the bad guy but it doesn't and i know that to some people they would say well that makes it more boring and less good of a story the point of this isn't a story the point of this is to be like a documentary yeah yeah, and I I did see uh, some complaints about the dialogue, obviously not being crisp dialogue. And it's like, well, yeah, it's it's a document. These would just be normal people being asked Should questions like on camera. Talking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I think um, I, yeah, I I, I think that the, this does just such a a great job of of that. As we've been saying, at the end of the the day, you, you don't know exactly who to trust. You don't know exactly what just happened. You're not positive if there's any supernatural element or if it all is just um, a family grieving or if there's some uh, insidious element even going on. But it yeah, it really does drag you through it. <laughs> It pulls you through the whole thing. It sure does, man. Very much. Like, just every emotion. And it really does make me want to take a shower after (laughs) I watched it. Like, it was kind of giving me the same vibe that I had after we watched. Um, There's a documentary that we watched a while back. I think it was called, like, Who Took Johnny or Who Took Jake or something like that about a kid that got kidnapped. It was the kid that led to the first, like, kids on the side of milk cartons and stuff. Okay, I remember you talking about this on the show, yeah. Yeah, and he probably got drafted into a sex ring and stuff. And, like, after you watch that documentary, you're like, I need to bathe. Um, yeah. The same way that I felt after I watched Hereditary, where I was like, God, I, I can't quit thinking about this. Like, this didn't have as strong of an effect on me as Hereditary did. Because um, with Hereditary, I was just like, what the fuck have I just seen? <laughs> have I unlocked a door to something I can't close? <laughs> this movie, and again, I mean, a lot of this is because I watched this two days after one of my best friends died and I'm still yeah. very much in the grieving process myself and, and coping with the loss of Brandon and just trying to rationalize it in any way in my mind. And then I watched this movie, you know, like two days after he yeah. died. And I think that that definitely played on my, my psyche a lot, but man, some of the scenes in this God really stuck with me. That, that sex tape that they show a little of just made me feel so fucking grimy. Like, yeah. A lot of the stuff in this made me feel like I just watched like a beheading video where you watch it and you're like, why did I just convince myself to see this? Like that was, that was, you know, somebody's, somebody's son. That was somebody's daughter. Like, and I'm watching it for entertainment. What the fuck is the matter with me? That's kind of how I felt after I watched that grimy ass, gritty, pixelated sex tape where it's just like, I don't need to be watching this. And the thing is, if she were, if they made her 20, that it wouldn't be... It would just be a sex tape. Yeah. Like, she's 16. She's a teenage. She is a child. 
and these people are taking advantage of her. Like, I, I understand, again, the uh, age of consent laws are different in different countries, even different states and whatnot, but uh, ethical consent is way different than age of consent laws. <laughs> like, sure, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's ethical or moral or right. Um, and yeah, you're right. It just feels grimy and gross and just wrong. Even, even though, again, as the policewoman says, like, it does appear that she's very much consenting in the video and whatnot. It's just like, yeah, but they're, they are taking advantage and this, yeah, this is wrong. There's something wrong here. Yeah. Yeah, man. And dude, that, that scene on the beach, I mean, the scene on the beach is like, well, I call it a beach. It's not really. It's a, Lake Mungo yeah. is like not a not a lake at all. It's a dried up uh, section of land that was once a lake, I guess. Yeah. But the scene whenever we see her her ghost from the future or whatever the fuck that is coming towards her, I I don't know the last time I was that disturbed by any scene in a movie. <laughs> I I think it was Hereditary. Honestly, I think that was the last time something in a movie just made me feel bad. And the thing about it is, man, is like, God damn, I think that's one of the most well done scenes well done scares in a horror movie of all time honestly i think yeah. that it's absolutely fucking dreadful and dreadful is the word that i would use because whenever i watched it you know the first time and then even the subsequent times i didn't have like that you know boo that really got my adrenaline going like it wasn't scary like that it wasn't like yeah a jump scare at all it was like i had just this immense feeling of dread whenever i watched that and the way that that scene is played up to where it's using the audio of her talking to ray and do just those lines that she says where she's like i feel like something is going to happen to me or i feel like something has already happened to me but it hasn't hit me yet. It's on its way, and I feel like I can't deal with it. Yeah. Like, her lines are just so fucking dreadful, and you're like, I don't even know what that means. She's saying something bad has already happened to her, but it's not reached her yet. Oh, it's just so hard, man. And then that fucking face shows up on the screen. <laughs> God damn. Like, I, would, I just wasn't ready for it, man. Like, it was one of those things where there was just no way I could have known what was about to happen. And two, you know, again, the gritty cell phone footage, the fact that it's her alone at night, the fact that that Lake Mungo place looks so bizarre. Like, yeah. it's really fucking weird. It looks like it's on another planet. It does. Uh, but I didn't do a lot of research about it, but I suppose it's sort of an Australian uh, landmark, and apparently it's where, like, the oldest human remains in all of Australia uh, were located at some point. Wow. And so it's like, it has big historical value and stuff too. But just the fact that so much of the movie has been just this ordinary, you know, suburban kind of scenery. And then it throws you in this environment, which is completely bizarre looking. And you see this fucking shit of her being visited by her own ghost from the future. Could you imagine how bad it would fuck you up if you got to see in the flesh yourself <laughs> as you are when you die? And yeah. not only that the dead version of you isn't you that's 80 years old that has a long gray beard. It's you looking like you do now, and you're like, fuck, I'm going out soon. How bad would that fuck you up? I mean, that's why Ugh. it's uh, 
it's, it's, a, it's a long established fear the doppelganger in yeah. uh, a lot of european cultures and and throughout the world this idea of and and you get where it comes from i i think in in the just rational human thought that there there are only two yous that consistently exist in your mind I mean, you can think about past you, sure, but present you is always there. Present you is always changing what past you was really like, so past yeah. you, you're never, ever sure of. But one thing you are sure of is you're going to be a corpse. Sure, yeah. So corpse you is always there, too, and that's where I think the doppelganger comes from, is this reality in your mind that you know one day you're going to be a corpse and you won't even be here to uh, uh, recognize the milestone like you will be the most present person in the room without being present mm -hmm. like our death is the thing that we all know inevitably is coming and so the doppelganger as this, um, what, it, what it was always considered an omen of, of your impending doom, uh, this appearance of your dead self is the thing that it stalks us. It's always with us. It's never far from our thoughts, but it's also the thing we still maintain fear of. Like it's, it would be like. Uh, carrying around a, a cat with you all the time, but also being like, I am deathly afraid of cats. <laughs> oh, I think about it constantly, and I have one with me always, but also it's the thing I fear most. Right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the doppelganger, as you say, it's like that that idea that you would run into yourself knowing this is how that that's what I'm going to look like as a corpse and it's not far off. That's my future. That's my future. Oh, yep. I'll tell you what though, man, if I met fucking, you know, dead Ben and he looked like he was bloated and had drowned as death, mm -hmm. I would not go swimming in no fucking dam. You could not get me in the fucking water, man. Which is how the documentary is actually telling a separate story about Alice coming to terms with her fear of death and just embracing it, too. Like, if that's what really happened, if the supernatural story is what really happened, then she knew that that was a likelihood when she went swimming. But she yeah. did it anyway. Yeah, or maybe she had just so given in to the idea of yeah. I'm going to become this, you know, lifeless, bloated corpse. It's inevitability. I have to. Yeah, it's like she totally just accepted it that way. Yeah. Oh, my God, man. Ugh, just everything about it just makes me feel bad. And uh -huh. I love, again, man, I love the weird time aspect that this movie plays with. It never goes full jj abrams with it or anything like that but no i mean like i said whenever you see the lake mungo video and she's talking about something bad has happened but it's not hit her yet and all this shit like the way the timeline just gets really perplexing yeah. and almost like she's living her future in the present or almost like she was already dead but still alive yeah is just so fucking alien and 
I don't know, it's convincingly done in such a way that it just makes me feel really bad. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a, a definite feeling that I carried away from it as well. It's just, ugh. Um, why did she hide her phone? Like, why did she bury her phone and stuff? That is interesting. And that, okay, so I wonder if it's possible that there's in Alice's life this story of um, her being groomed by this uh, older couple and given those things uh, by from them and her realizing they'd use her and being disgusted by it and oh, okay. wanting like to the get necklace rid of and stuff. It. Yeah. Yeah. But why the phone? Like the phone that had the footage of her meeting her own ghost. Like, I wonder why she would get rid of that. Cause I see a lot of people that are like, Oh, Alice the whole time was just trying to get her family to know her secrets and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, why did she bury her phone then? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is I uh, I don't think she wanted him to know her secrets. I think she yeah. was trying to get rid of them. Uh, and then they ended up finding her secrets. And and again, in, the, in this interpretation, that thing on her phone doesn't have to be her bloated corpse face. It could just be a person with a flashlight shined in their face. And she just buried the phone because she was disgusted by these people who had done this to her and they are jumping to a lot of conclusions to make things make sense. And, you know, you could also go with the whole idea too, that, you know, if you watch this thinking that the family is unreliable and is covering things up and perpetuating this whole story to benefit off of it in some way, even that scene where they're like, they're looking through the other girl's phone videos and they're like, Oh, you can see Alice here at the base of a tree burying something. No, you can't. You can't at all. It's fucking way pixel. You can't see what that is. But the thing is, is them knowing that, they could be like, oh, yeah, that's totally her uh, burying stuff under a tree. That's why we went at nighttime and dug it up where nobody could see it. Yeah. Maybe they fucking planted the whole thing. Yeah, it's possible. Entirely possible because, yeah, they're they're the people who tell us that those were precious to her and that they had gone missing. Like, nobody There's had mentioned that before. There's also a goof there, too, because, like... I think earlier in the movie, one of them says she lost her favorite bracelet, but then when they dig it up, it's a necklace instead. Mm. And I don't know if that's just a casual fuck up because it was improvised dialogue. Well, there, that's no, all there's a necklace and a bracelet in there. Oh, there's a bracelet. Yeah. Too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I must have missed that then. Yeah. But there's unexplained stuff going on here too. Like, okay, the, the brother's bruises. He spontaneously gets these bruises yeah. like months after her death. Like initially, whenever the bruises came up, I was like, oh. He got beat up while he was trying to drown his sister. No, this is months after yeah. she died. And uh, again, where did this come from? This, I mean, teenage boy. He could have done some stupid shit and didn't want to tell his parents. Possibly, he might have been doing a "I'm Matthew and this is Jackass" and then yeah, did like exactly. an elbow drop off a roof. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe something like that. Very likely, given the time period. Uh, but yeah, who who knows that that again? If if you go with the supernatural interpretation. All of this uh, is just ghost stuff. It's <laughs> like, easier to make the sense explanation of. That's the weird thing. It's, it's, it's actually easier to make sense of all this if you just give in to, yeah. well, it's supernatural, it's paranormal. Exactly. Yeah. It actually makes more sense if you look at it that way. It's easier. Yeah, you're like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world until you then also have to remember, oh, yeah, I swallowed that they're ghosts. Like, yeah, that too, right? <laughs> you're going to swallow this huge pill, and then it's like, oh, yeah, cool. 
It all makes sense. <laughs> but that's then, like, that's also the problem, like, that the, the movie's pointing out, is that if we can find a, a, an easy explanation, then we can stop thinking about all the hard bits. Yeah. I mean, that's totally something that even, like, um, they talked about in, like, religious and stuff. It's like... Yeah. Whenever you reach that point where you're like, I can't explain it, therefore I say it's spiritual, well, now I've explained it. Yep. That's it. It's really easy psychologically to make that leap whenever you just go, oh, a uh, uh, ghost, supernatural, spirituality. Like, that's the easiest leap to make. I can't explain it, therefore I can explain it. Yep. What about the mom's dreams and how she starts, like, taking walks at night and going into other people's houses and shit? That's weird, and I feel like they didn't really give that much attention. I mean, I thought, like, her explanation of it is that, you know, she just wanted to feel something different, anything different, to be in any other position than she was yeah. in. And that's like, yeah, okay, I get, I get that. It. I mean, grief can express itself in, in strange ways. That's fine. But um, if we look at it a different way, like, what what was she doing? Was she using this opportunity to, you know, just exploit her grief so that she could do whatever she wanted? Right. Like, I mean, I know. who knows? She, she throughout does seem the most sincere in her uh, desire to believe whatever gets her daughter back. Sure. Like, but she's also like shady and in a lot of ways too. There's yeah. that stuff. I mean, about, she like, says that about herself that she yeah. has secrets that she keeps from people, and and her mom says the same about her. Like, uh, that kind of gave me like hereditary vibes. Where yes. like at the start of hereditary, Tony is like, my mom had a lot of secrets she kept to herself, never really gave herself up to me. And in this movie, it's kind of the same deal where you have the grandma who's like. Yeah, I could just never really give myself up to my daughter fully. Yeah. And then the mom is like, yeah, I could never really do that with my daughter either. There's this weird, like, generational, closed-off lack of communication with the women in this movie that I find very strange. And it's just like, why include that if it's not significant in some way? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that... Um... But again, <laughs> why include anything? It's It is... Because of the mystery of her death, we have to try to make sense of everything that's going on around it. And sometimes, I mean, you know, a lot of people are closed off and don't really express themselves and live their entire lives without anybody dying tragically. And if this is a true-to-life, you know, take it trying to do a real-life style documentary in which... Filmmakers take a real-life tragedy and profit off of it by making it entertainment, which yeah. is a pretty seedy business to be in. It is. Yeah, you'd probably leave in weird stuff like that that's not really all that significant because it makes the viewer go, ooh, what's up with that? So yeah. even putting in some of that weird stuff like the bruises and the unexplained mom walks into other people's houses and stuff... That's just entertainment is what that is. Yeah, that actually the uh, Lisa Lamb documentary I was talking about is is yeah. that's exactly what it is. It's entertainment Ugh. rather than looking at as deeply as it should at the actual issue. Yeah, you, uh, exploitation. It, it's people 
finding ways to make a tragedy profitable. <laughs> and, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, not to say that, uh, you know, everybody who's working in true crime or whatever is, uh, is trying to exploit death. A lot of people are just very much interested in true crime. And in fact, some true crime heads end up solving uh, true crimes. Look at uh, uh, Michelle McNamara. You know, she solved a, a major cold case as just yeah. a... So there are true crime people who are out there just trying to solve crimes. They're not all flim-flam mans. Right, but there are definitely people out there exploiting the fact that people are very much interested in true crime and trying to figure out what's going on. And if you can make maybe a straightforward story look less straightforward right yeah yeah you can make money off of it sure yeah one really troubling thing in this too for me uh that i caught the second time through is when you're watching this and you know that alice has things that she's troubled by you know she's having this sexual relationship with these neighbor people and then also too when you watch it under the guise of like maybe Matthew maybe did it maybe the family was complicit in some way who right. knows and she tells that story about how you know she woke up from that dream and she still felt drugged right and you're like god damn did she get like roofied and right. somebody took advantage of her and she made sense of it by saying it was a dream like yeah what exactly was going on here and we'll never know because of course she died right so yeah we just don't know and that's what the movie does so fucking well that we keep saying is that at the end of this, there's so many questions and so few answers. I know, man. And at the end, it's like the family seems to have made some kind of peace with what happened and they're moving on and they're moving to a new house. Meanwhile, they've left Alice behind and she is still literally stuck there in the house in that photograph oh it's so gross this is the thing about that photograph at the end is like so many of the other photographs it's like yeah that does look like alice and it's like well i mean could be superimposed or this is a reflection at the end it's just like well that just looks like a blob (laughs) like that doesn't look clearly like alice at all But again, like I was saying, the movie trains you to find Alice everywhere. And and the thing is, is like, that's also what grief and unacceptance of death trains you to do as well. You look for them everywhere. You're hoping that there is some trace of that person that you cared about still here. So, yeah, even the fact that they are accepting what might be fakery uh, is even just part of the grieving process in a lot of ways. It does exactly what it sets out to do so extremely effectively i i yeah there's no for me the movie doesn't have uh flaws <laughs> except no. that one could very easily just see this entirely as a documentary i think <laughs> like one could be tricked into thinking this is not uh a horror movie if it is a horror movie. i mean it's a tragic movie I mean, if if the supernatural element isn't true, this isn't a horror movie at all. It's just a story about someone who died and people thought she was a ghost. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I really can't think of a lot that would that would improve this. O- honestly, like a lot of the things that you would traditionally think of as improvements, like 
oh, more drama here or more ghost shots, more scary demon face. Like those are things that would make it feel less like a real documentary, which would defeat the purpose of the entire thing. Yeah. If Tom Cruise was in this and he was delivering an Oscar winning performance, (laughs) it would defeat the purpose of the fucking entire thing. So I feel like the things that people want out of it, where people are like, oh, it was too slow paced. Uh, There was enough action. There wasn't enough jump scares. Well, yeah, that would make you aware that you're watching a mockumentary. Yeah. But the fact that this plays it so close to the chest and plays it so realistically, and it really does just feel like some Dateline NBC fucking thing that you could watch on primetime TV. Like, there's nothing in this that, well, okay, maybe they wouldn't show the sex tape and probably not the child's corpse on TV in America. (laughs) Maybe overseas they would. No, I, I don't think they would be... Yeah, this would definitely not be uh, shown on the news. It would be a movie you'd have to seek out. But yeah, but yeah, but it just feels so real, man. And even even the running time, how this is like kind of right at one twenty, mm-hmm. just feels like adequate documentary yep. length too. It's like it feels like that was measured for a purpose to make it feel more like a documentary and less like a movie. I I think that it's amazing. I think this is a really fucking incredible movie. And um, I'm glad I saw it when I did. I mean, just being kind of in the middle of of grief right now for myself. I think that this was, in in a way, a good movie for me to watch because it allowed me to see things through a very fresh and relatable lens, you know? Um, Yeah. I I still am coming to grips with the fact that that Brandon's not here. I mean, and so I'm watching these other people go through this whole experience, and I'm like, yep, I'm right there with you in a lot of ways. I think it made it more relatable to me, um, which is very fucking unfortunate. I wish to God this is not relatable for me right now. Yeah. But, man, it stuck with me, dude. Like, I, I've i just thought about this and thought about this and thought about this. I was taking a shower last night after I worked out, and I was like deep in my thoughts about the movie. And Kate came in just to fucking ask me a question about, damn, steaming broccoli or making salad dressing or something very <laughs> trivial. But, you know, in the foggy glass of the shower stall, like, I just saw this dark figure coming at me, and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, it scared the shit out of <laughs> me, man. To get night- yeah, dude. And the night that I watched it, man, I was like, please don't dream about this. Please yeah. don't dream about this. I didn't, thankfully. <laughs> but it really, really has stuck with me a lot, and I very much look forward to watching this with other people and showing this to other people and seeing if it has the same kind of reaction on them that it, it did on me because this very, very deeply affected me. I think this is an incredible movie. And what you, what you going to rate it? Man. God, it, it's hard for me not to give it like, like a nine. I think yeah. like nine sounds pretty good for me. I yeah. would absolutely watch anything that this director has to say after this. Um, also as a PS, the soundtrack was fucking great. Soundtrack yeah. in this was awesome. Like really spooky when it needed to be but also kind of feeling like a documentary where the music is kind of leading you to feel like it's supposed to be spooky, but it still works. Uh Just very, very effective. I'd like to know how many documentaries and stuff this guy watched before he made this and how many notes he made to be like, this seems realistic, this doesn't. How sensational do I want to make this thing or do I want to make it seem like a completely believable, you know, documentary uh, yeah. I'd like to know more about the process, but it seems like that's not happening because that guy <laughs> is a fucking ghost, man. That guy is the face on the beach that I encountered that I'll never what? get any explanation for. 
Yeah, nine for me. I think this okay. is fucking incredible. I, I get it if some people don't like it. Like, if your idea of a scary movie is straight up just like, I want blood and guts and gore and yeah, jump scares. No, this isn't that at all. There's a lot of horror fans that this will not appeal to. I'll say that right out the right out the gate. Like, this is not one of those ones that if somebody is talking to me and they're like, "Yeah, I, I didn't like that movie. It was boring. I couldn't get into it." I'd be like, "I get it. It fucked me up, but I totally get it." This yeah. isn't for everybody, but I know for me, it was tremendously effective. I also thought this movie was extremely effective. I really like love the way everything was put together the way the story plays out the uh improvised work that the actors did just amazing insane like i i don't know how this is an improvised line but this was an improvised line i would assume unless unless this is one of the only things they wrote down uh but this line death takes everything eventually it's the meanest, dumbest machine there is, and it just doesn't care. There's well, nothing else to know about it, really. Yeah. That, I mean, that's exactly the the premise that the movie is really getting at. The, the real core message is that death fucking sucks. And that yep. we'll do anything we can to try to rationalize it and understand it. It just fucking sucks. Yeah, so that's it, man. The, the movie that uh, can both, as, as you know, the the big scare moment and any of the other kind of surprise moments where it's like, oh my gosh, there's a face there or whatever. Those all work so well, but the movie has a, a stronger like message to it and really just hits home i think hit hit me exactly the uh, the way i i wanted it to <laughs> it it really did like i was like oh once it started i was like not another like dead girl story right yeah uh, um but it it really just like twin peaks it focused more on alice palmer than it did on the manner of her death like it focused more on her life it made it something more than just another dead girl story um the one problem i have with this and i haven't mentioned it up to this point okay is some of the sound mixing is pretty bad uh hmm. and, and like it, it's really when it goes from the news like the moments where it's like showing the news footage uh to somebody talking the news footage will be so much louder and unless you have subtitles on you cannot have any idea what is being said by the person being interviewed at the same time uh huh. i didn't notice probably because we always watch movies with yeah subtitles. exactly well i wouldn't have noticed because i always watch with subtitles on except i didn't have the subtitles on at first and okay. I was watching it, and it was fine, and then it was just suddenly, like, exactly that. And I was like, what the fuck? So I watched the whole thing without subtitles on, and there were so many moments where I was like, huh. Because, like, you know, they're speaking well Australian accents, but they're not hard to understand or anything. Mm -mm, no. But, uh, yeah, just some of the mixing was a problem. Other than that, I got no real major issues at all. I think this is just uh, extremely solid. Exactly what people were telling 
uh, us when they were recommending it that like totally. nobody's talking about it but they should be talk about this tell people to watch this movie it's so good For i'm real. with you i think nine to nine and a half is is my score yeah i'll tell you just another accomplishment about this that i think is is really something you got to latch on to as well is kind of the same thing that made hereditary so effective in that there's a lot of twists in it yeah but at the same time it doesn't feel cheap like no. with hereditary where you're like okay it's a grief movie oh no it's a cult movie oh no it's a depression movie oh no it's a fucking demon movie what the right. fuck like <laughs> this movie is like oh okay a girl died it's grief oh man there's ghosts oh wait no the ghosts are fake she had a sex tape <laughs> yeah wait she saw her own ghost <laughs> what like it it has all these constant like revelations and twists but it doesn't feel like it's just Shyamalan and you and jerking your fucking chain and being like no no no, no, look over here now like it never feels cheap I never feel taken advantage of as a viewer because every revelation was basically in plain sight I mean it's like you said you see Alice in those photos early in the movie she's there yeah yeah god man so well done I I really can't say enough about it and I hope that you guys enjoy it too if you've seen this flick be sure to let us know about it over there on that Facebook group that we got going yeah. on. There's a lot of cool people over there on that Facebook group. Facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on That's over us. there. Just jump into the group. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at dead lovely pod. And we're on Patreon.com. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. Uh, become a patron on any level. You get access to our uh, exclusive patreon episodes just dropped one on wandavision by the time this comes out that's so right check that out uh but if you become a five dollar patron you get to submit a movie that we then randomly draw one from the smoking bowl once a month and we review that movie like we just did just now mm-hmm. oh yeah man and that's the cool thing to me too is just to see the the great suggestions that always seem to pop up in the bowl where like yeah. People legit recommend really good stuff. They do. Uh, they do. I, I don't I don't know when we would have done this movie if we hadn't drawn it out of the bowl. So thank you guys so much for your, your Patreon submissions. They're always real, real good. And you can get yours featured soon enough if you join up at that $5 level. Well, Steve, what are we going to be talking about on the next installment of Dead and Langley next week? Well, Ben... We're going to be talking about the Mothman prophecies, and we're not <gasps> just going to be talking about the Mothman prophecies. We're going to I be can't do this alone. I can't about, do it. It's true. How could we possibly? So we have gotten Corey from Jack of All Graves to come on over and teach us all we need to know about this Mothman. Oh, my God. Does Corey know all kinds of stuff about the cryptids and all kinds of crazy shit? Um... Corey has got all sorts of awesome knowledge. If you haven't listened to Jack of All Graves, uh, I've recommended them before, and I was on an episode uh, before. Go over there. They got a good uh, podcast going on. I'm excited to have Corey on. In the future, we'll have Mark on. Going to be a fun time, so tune in next week. That's right. You guys be sure to check that out. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you use that allows you to write a review Helps us out a ton, and it just takes you uno momento. So please be sure to do that. Also, be sure to go get your COVID vaccine if you can. Drugs, not hugs. Drugs, That's how we're going to get hugs. out of this. Go get poked. 
stay away from your friends for a little while, and then we can all get back to having ourselves a good time, and we can do this show in person again. We've been doing Ooh. the fucking show for over a year over doing the phone. the show in person would cut down editing time, like, in half, for sure. Most of my editing is just cutting out all the times that we talk over each other or uh, just have pauses because of lag or whatever. Yep. Fucking phones. I think that should actually be like the national like like program that they're using to go get people vaccinated is like the sooner you get vaccinated, the sooner dead and lovely can be in person again. Finally. I think that should be on billboards all over the country. Biden should be fucking falling upstairs and talking about this. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> he should be. <laughs> Falling upstairs. Listen to Dead and Lovely, Jack. Listen to Dead and Malarkey, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and be sure to tune in next week for another installment of Dead and Lovely with your buddies, Uncle Ben. And Hollywood Steve. Catch you guys later. Bye. So, Steve, you know how it is right now. The cancel culture is going crazy is that, just within yeah. the past it's couple of weeks. up again, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. We've canceled Pepe Le Pew, the raping skunk. Oh, no, we've canceled, not the raping uh, skunk. With the gender of a plastic potato that meant so much to our family's uh, lives I, and stuff. All I ever oh thought about God. was the genitalia on Mr. Potato Head. That was it. <laughs> Mr. Potato Dick. <laughs> 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 and it really got me thinking about other things that are just like regular features of society that maybe we should re-examine and consider leaving in the dumpster bin of the past. Do you want to hear about one in particular that's sticking out to okay, me now? Okay, yeah, let's hear this. All right, so this is one of those things that we've seen in movies, we've seen in cartoons and stuff our whole lives. It's somebody's birthday or something, they roll in a gigantic cake and then what pops out but an extremely sexy uh, woman yeah. or man that's there to do an erotic strip dance and stuff, and they bust out of the cake. And this is just one of those things that I think it's time to move on past this, dude. Um, and what I mean by that is, like, if you think about it, think about how many people can't have cake these days. We're trying to keep our carbs low. Right. A lot of people got the celiac. Uh-huh. I think it's time to just take take that away. Yeah, okay. So you think, like, a sexy lady should hop out of, it like, a keto cake or something? That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Or, like, a yeah. big pile of yeah. meat, like a charcuterie tray. They roll in a gigantic, you know plate of meats and cheeses with no carbs everyone's like all right bring it on i can eat as much as i want yeah and then the, the sexy person pops out of that that's more inclusive that that's way more inclusive yeah no i think i think you got it right here uh that that uh when we point the cancel culture lens at people jumping out of birthday cakes the thing to think about is maybe the, the cake it needs to go it needs to go i think <laughs> Maybe just a I'm pile insulting. of veggies. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you just have a naked person jump out of a pile of vegetables. <laughs> It'd look awesome. It would look awesome, yeah. It'd be pretty cool. <laughs> maybe just do naked sushi. There you go. You have sushi served to you yeah. on a naked person. That is a thing. They do that. It's true.